Welcome. We have been waiting for you. They do not want you to be here. But where others fail, you will succeed. Forget the cell. In this space, time is endless. You are now experiencing the fourth dimension. Are you ready for what lies ahead? Your mind will transcend reality. Your consciousness will be sharpened like a sword. You will lose all connection to the outside world. And nothing will ever be the same again. You have arrived. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Good evening, good evening. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, another Thursday night. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to another episode, the Daily Boogie Podcast, the live free-for-all. We're back, two weeks off, two weeks off. Phil D'Angelo, straight away, is this wakey-bakey? No, no. <laughs> I'm always half asleep because I'm always baked. No, I don't smoke weed. I don't smoke weed. I don't do any drugs. Just excuse me for a moment while I take a sip of this fine whiskey. Mm. Ah, yeah, that's the stuff. No, I'm 100% clean, baby. Clean, ready to rock and roll. Look at all these people. Thanks for joining. Thanks for sharing. Donna, thank you for the super heart. Monica, Kimmy Jong-un, Denise, Faith Hope Love, Franklin, Poppy Lane, Sinsoak, Netdrag, Fritzer, SoCal Patriot, too many to mention. The owner and CEO of TAVshow.com, ladies and gentlemen, James R. Miss T Bikini doesn't like the smell of whiskey. No, you just put a peg over your nose, it's fine. You do keg stands. Like a rebel. Yes, thanks for joining us. Hope you've had a lovely week. I certainly have. Plenty of stuff going on. We're going to have some fun tonight. The world is a staged 
hate crime. <laughs> Look, I didn't even want to talk about the Jesse, Jussie, Jussie, whatever. Whatever his name is. Jussie paints a picture about how it's going to be. Tell them all about those white guys that called you a black sea. Jussie, you can always do hate crimes for me. I wasn't even going to talk about it. I wasn't that interested. And I was a little bit concerned because, like, never before have I actually seen so many corporate media publications actually use the word hoax about something like this before. I was like, this has to be a setup. It has to be a setup. There's no way. Like, there's something going on here and they're setting everybody up so they can call everybody a conspiracy theorist and a hater who doesn't believe black people or something, right? And then more information came out and it turned out to be actually true. And then I then I was contemplating my level of cynicism at that point. So <laughs> now when the when the media actually accurately report something now i'm at the stage where i'm like well this has got to be bullshit (laughs) and i don't want it to be that way i'm someone who you know had a lot of respect for print media for a long time well the people that were good and now here we are information apocalypse they were forced to walk back tom chatelet thanks for joining us amazing right I watched a movie the other day. Have you guys seen this movie? It's called True Story. It's got uh, Jonah Hill and uh, that Franco chap in it. And it's about um, a guy, I think in Oregon or Washington State or wherever he was, uh, he murdered his family and he befriended this writer from the New York Times. He he basically, he, when he was arrested, he told police he was this writer from the New York Times. And these two people developed, you know, a kind of weird pseudo friendship. And the writer from the New York Times was granted like exclusive access by this killer to interview him during his trial. But the writer from the New York Times, I forget the guy's name, Mike Finkel, Mike Finkel, he lost his job because he manufactured a story at the New York Times by basically creating an an amalgamation of all of these characters in the African slave trade and turning it into one person, one person's story. And they fired him. (laughs) And I was just thinking, wow, we've come a long way, haven't we? (laughs) I was perusing SE Cup's Twitter account the other day. And she was like, I'm so disgusted with all the glee that MAGA trolls have over this Jussie Smollett thing. And I'm like, oh, come on. Come on, SE. Come on, cuppy wop. You can do better than that, surely. And she was like, oh, this is... This isn't about, you know, the media and stuff. This is about Jussie. We, we need to think about him. And I'm like, wow, he's still a victim. So whereas once upon a time you would have been fired from your job for, you know, dare I say, pushing fake news in the common vernacular. Um, now you can just put out a tweet, eh, stop being hateful bigots and all is forgiven. <laughs> so we will get into a little bit of Juss. Justice for Jussie, but I don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, I've got other stuff, fun stuff for you today as well. Lara Logan, I want to get into that. Got some weird stories off the wall. Tom says, my only problem with Jussie is that he was way too sloppy. That's what I thought too. Like, these hoaxes have been going on for a long time. 
and it's I was saying to a friend it's like they're it's like they're creating an orgy of evidence when you only need to control the small details of a hoax if you can get the small details of a hoax right everything else takes care of itself because people will invent the story for you you know you only have to micromanage the very you know small details everything else just is like a runaway train at that point it's like today's hoaxes have got no idea <laughs> The hoaxes of years gone by must be spinning in their graves. It's like, really? You walked around with a noose around your neck after you bought a sandwich? What? Really? You kept it on all night? There was two guys screaming slogans? Why would they scream slogans? Just control the little things. So we'll get into that. Like, I didn't even want to talk about it, but we're going to have to because everyone else is. Well, that's, that's actually the wrong way. I, I don't like talking about things if everyone else is talking about them, but it's one of those things. It's got to be said. It must be said. It must be done. Plus, we'll have a bit of fun along the way. So thanks for sticking around. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course... If you want to instigate upon me a hoax hate crime, you can do so by heading over to Twitter and following at Boogie Bumper. But let's kick it off the way we like to with this. Now you face the Shredder. Time for the Shredder. Got an article here for you all the way from the UK. Something a little different from the Metro, which is a free newspaper that often gets left on trains in the Tube in London. Woman weds zombie doll, and they've even consummated marriage. <laughs> you know, I'm fully aware that most of the people in this chat room are uh, like, you know, leaning, if not fully ensconced on the right hand side of the political spectrum. So obviously you're a bunch of homophobes and bigots and haters and racists and stuff, okay? We, we, let's just establish that as a truthism. But remember the days when you were just concerned about two gay guys getting married? Woman <laughs> <laughs> wed zombie doll. They've even consummated their marriage. Uh, you've heard of a dead root. This is next level. A young woman has revealed that her world is now complete after getting married to her zombie doll. Felicity Cadleck, 20, said she tied the knot with Kelly Rossi. That's the doll's name. There's the lovely happy couple there. What a picture. I love the uh, the other zombie doll in the background there. <laughs> Just watching on. Couldn't get dressed up for the wedding? You peasant. What's with the overalls? Looks like a redneck zombie wedding, if you ask me. The ceremony cost £388 for a wedding dress for Felicity. A suit for Kelly and decorations for the wedding in Tiverton, Rhode Island. The wedding was attended by four humans and eight other dolls. <laughs> it's funny that the zombie doll had more friends than she did. How are we gonna how are we gonna fill up the bride side of the, the chapel? I don't know. Oh my god. Do you have to invite redneck zombie doll, Kelly, please? You know my parents don't get on with him. Felicity, who now lives in Veneta, Oklahoma, claims that marrying Kelly has made her feel closer and more intimate with it. Felicity said, Our wedding ceremony was beautiful and perfect, exactly the way I dreamed it would have been. 
see, here I was, maybe, maybe again, like I'm some kind of out-of-touch traditionalist, a dinosaur, if you will. But I thought young girls dreamed about like being princesses and marrying a Prince Charming. Seems I was way off the mark. Young girls these days grow up dreaming about making sweet love to inanimate objects that look like zombies. <laughs> How was the sex, Felicity? Eh, it was a little rigid. It's a little stiff. Oh. I made sure that the whole wedding was done properly so it would be as official as possible. And we consummated the marriage afterwards. Wow. Put me back in the ground, he said. Kelly was the groom and she, she, as she takes the male role in our relationship, she is a tomboy, so wore a suit. I feel she was most comfortable as the groom. Ah, okay. So the, the groom is also a woman, so it's a lesbianic zombie relationship. A lesbianic inanimate zombie relationship. Got it. Got it. It's going to be hard to squeeze onto a marriage certificate. Felicity, do you take this? female zombie doll to be your lawfully wedded wife even though it's dressed as a groom I don't know despite having been in a relationship with Kelly for four years getting married to her has made me feel so much closer to her both emotionally and intimately yeah zombie sex is hot baby hot there oh wow what a picture what a beautiful picture <laughs> great comment in the chat they'll be divorced in six months <laughs> Excellent. Gee, I'd really love them to end up in like marriage counselling or something. The counsellor would end up having to get counselling. Like I've made a career. I've made bad choices in my career. Why am I sitting here on this couch with these people? Well, this person and this doll. Felicity was initially given Kelly by her late father after becoming obsessed with horror movies and zombie dolls. She said, quote, I found Kelly on a creepy doll collection website and my dad brought her home for me when I was 13. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, the internet solves your relationship problems. I would have thought they would have met in a bar. You know. <laughs> Zombielove.com. Imagine scrolling through Tinder and seeing that little horrid face pop up. Hi, I'm Kelly. <laughs> I enjoy feasting on brains. <laughs> Killing humans. Want to hook up? It wasn't until I was 16 years old that I started to get feelings for her, but it was something that I kept on trying to deny. You can't deny your feelings. You can't deny your feelings. When my father died last year, I found myself becoming closer and finding comfort in Kelly as she was someone that he had bought for me. I finally allowed myself to be open with who I was and let my feelings come out despite not everyone agreeing with my love life I have never felt happier. That's that's a beautiful story, isn't it? It's a wonderful story. Here's the happy couple. <laughs> what a lovely picture. Enjoy that. Wonder where they went for their honeymoon. The morgue, obviously. Despite Kelly's zombie-like appearance, zombie-like. <laughs> Felicity claims that she loves her doll deeply and wouldn't change her for the world. Daddy issues is a comment coming up in the chat. 
This is so freaking bizarre, says another person. <laughs> What's wrong with it? Don't I, I don't you just love love? Don't you just love love? What right does the government have to stop people in love getting married, ladies and gentlemen? Don't be bigots now. Don't be zombie bigots. Just because he's dead and not real doesn't mean I can't love him. Oh, shit. Did I just misgender a zombie doll? Fuck. Fuck. Sorry. No offense intended. No offense intended. I didn't mean to miss. It really does look like a boy doll, though, doesn't it? I mean, there's no Adam's apple, though, to be fair. Must have been ripped out by a werewolf or something. Beautiful picture. Lovely. Also, her spirit and personality traits made me know that she was one the one for me and that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. To me, she is perfect and I can feel the love that she loves me deeply. She, This is uh, the woman talking about the doll. The doll loves her deeply. And I can sense her happiness since we have married. Just seeing her at the altar when I walked down the aisle was amazing and to me, she looked beautiful. I am intimate with Kelly. I caress her and feel safe with her, and I feel a genuine connection when I'm having an intimate moment with her. Isn't it wonderful? Celebration of love. Celebration of love. There you have it. Well, are you unlucky in love, ladies and gentlemen? Have you had trouble in your relationships in the past? Have you considered marrying a zombie doll? You know... The zombie doll, they may not say too much. They may not be the best looking, but often people, you know, often people struggling in the looks department tend to have, you know, very bubbly personalities. And I'm sure the zombie doll has many a story to tell. So have you considered walking that path? Well, if you haven't, you probably should. A brave, brave young woman from Rhode Island has now paved a path for you. Time to head down to the graveyard and dig yourself up a sweetie. Because those stiffs aren't getting any deader. Ladies and gentlemen, that was... Now you face the Shredder. A lesbo zombie doll at that, exactly. <laughs> it's like, do you know how hard it is to find a, a zombie doll that you can fall in love with, let alone a lesbian zombie doll? The worst part is they're not even going to be able to share wardrobe because the zombie doll's only like three feet tall. I don't know. Like I said, who are we to stand in, who are we to stand in the way of love? <laughs> Get the government out of my bedroom. Uh, did you see this today? Roger Stone placed under a gag order by federal judge over an Instagram post. Over an Instagram post. Washington. First, Roger J. Stone Jr. said he did not look like the photo of a federal judge with an image of crosshairs in the corner by her head before he posted it on Instagram on Monday. Why can't Why can't Roger just do regular Instagram things like pose in a bikini or something? Why does he have to be controversial all the time? Just do selfies on the beach. That's what Instagram's for, so I've been told. Then testifying under oath on Thursday in front of the same judge, he acknowledged that he had looked at the photo before he posted it, but said a volunteer had chosen it. Finally, Mr. Stone, who is under indictment on charges brought by the special counsel, they always use his full name in the New York Times and the Washington Post. They always call him Robert S. Mueller III. 
makes him sound like a fox hunter from, you know, country England in 1750. Well, yes, the charges have been brought by the indictment of Robert, special counsel Robert S. Mueller III. III. The cup of tea for the Robert S. Mueller III at Whipplestick Manor. He said he had picked out the photo from a group of several that were provided to him by a volunteer he could not name. During a 90-minute hearing in the Federal District Court in Washington, Amy Berman Jackson, the judge in the photograph, sorry, Miss Jackson, was having none of it, openly incredulous that Mr. Stone's inconsistent explanations of the Instagram post, she issued a gag order intended to force him into public silence about the criminal case against him. So I just thought we'd check in with CNN, see what they've got to say for themselves. I wanted to see the Instagram post, so let's see what Wolf Blitz has got. Roger Stone, President Trump's longtime political advisor, took the stand in his own defense today, and he began by offering what he said was this heartfelt apology, but things quickly unraveled from there. A federal judge banning Roger Stone from speaking publicly about his case, warning him if he violates the order, it will land him in jail. <laughs> see, uh, KJ, thanks for joining us. KJ's already onto it. He can already see what we're getting at here. Kathy Griffin has Trump's bloody head in her hands on a post. No problem. No, that's art, baby. That's art. You got something against art? I bet you've got something against people having zombie sex too, don't you? Don't you? You disgusting bigot. Stone took the stand to tell Judge Amy Berman Jackson he was heartfully sorry, sorry Jackson. for posting what could be considered threatening image of her to his Instagram on Monday. He claimed... <laughs> And I, I'm looking at this post, and I'm like, wait, where's the threatening image? Where's the threatening image here? How is this threatening? Ah, oh, but don't you see? There's a crosshair in the corner. Ah. Ah. <laughs> ah. Therefore, he's threatening a federal judge. Say, <laughs> look, this is the thing, right? Stone... Stone would know that everything he does is being micro, like micro watched to the smallest possible degree because they're just waiting for an opportunity to pounce on him, right? They're just waiting for a chance to do something that he does, to take something that he does and blow it up and shred him publicly. They're waiting for the opportunity. But like I said in the beginning, you know, consider where we are now. Like the story about that that story, true story. Once upon a time, the New York, New York Times journalist got fired for creating a news story. And now look at this. This picture with that graphic in the corner is now considered to be threatening a federal judge. And, and sometimes you have to sit back and say, when did this happen? Like he didn't say go out and shoot the judge. See, because he's been gagged because the judge considered it uh, an incitement to violence. Let's carry on. Listen to this. The image, which showed the judge with crosshairs over her shoulder, was a screw-up and a stupid lapse of judgment and insisted the crosshairs were misinterpreted. But Judge Jackson said the apology rang hollow, adding, there's nothing ambiguous about crosshairs. The judge yes. had all... There's nothing ambiguous about crosshairs. 
I dare anybody go to like Google or something, go to like Google News and just put in, look, you can't do it now because it's all going to be about this. But if you put in the word crosshairs, that is like one of the most overused uh, journalistic uh, isms that there ever is. If you don't believe me, it'll be like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez puts Donald Trump in her crosshairs. Donald Trump puts China in the crosshairs. You know what I mean? Everybody's putting everybody in in crosshairs. There's nothing ambiguous about crosshairs, says sorry, Miss Jackson. (laughs) Everybody's in the crosshairs. Right-wing conspiracy theorists in the crosshairs. Right-wing troll groups in the crosshairs of the SPLC. Everybody's in the crosshairs all the time. But if you if you actually draw a picture of a crosshair, uh, next thing you know, you're inciting people to shoot federal judges, apparently. Already put a lenient gag order on Stone. Today, she banned him Caught from talking publicly about the case in any venue, warning him there will not be a third chance. She also banned others from speaking on his behalf. The judge had ordered Stone to make the trek from Florida and appear in court after his post, which included a caption that called special counsel Robert Mueller a de- Here's the other thing, too. If it's so offensive, if it's an incitement to violence, why do they keep showing it? Now, see, I'm not against uh, showing it. If you remember, do you remember years ago there was the case of the Danish newspaper? They were printing cartoons. They had a competition and to print cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad, right? And there was a lot of, you know, riots and anger and violence and stuff that, you know, came out of that, that was manifested out of that situation. And other publications around the world refused to print the pictures because they said it would only add to the violence. It would add to the anger. And we don't want to offend people, right? And a lot of people at the time, like people like Mark Stein, Christopher Hitchens, both sides of the ideological divide, left and right, people who value free speech were saying, that's gutless, that's cowardly. Print print the damn things. So everybody can see what what caused all of this violence and hate and murder and stuff. And so they refused to do it. But now, you see, if this is an incitement to violence, why show the Instagram pic then? If that if that's the standard. Someone made a comment, a good comment in the chat. Have they ever heard the difference between figurative and literal meanings? Yes, of course, but they they'll use literal meanings when it suits and figurative when it suits. And, you know, people wonder why large sections of the public have lost faith in a, in a whole lot of institutions. They want to tell you that Donald Trump calling people fake news is the reason that you don't believe them anymore or don't respect them anymore. And then you have weeks like this where, you know, the, the Jussie Smollett thing or the Covington kids, right? And they'll tell you it's Donald Trump's fault. Like if only he wasn't there. But we don't live in a goldfish bowl. Anybody can go back. Anybody can remember. Go back when Donald Trump nominated himself to become the next president. The the trust in the mainstream media was already at, you know, record lows at that point. He's not convincing people that you're doing a terrible job. He's just saying what they already say. He's saying what they already know. He's just articulating a well-known reality that a lot of people think you're doing a terrible job. 
it's not his fault, it's yours. <laughs> Let's carry on. Deep State hitman and claimed Stone's case was a show trial. Stone also implied that Jackson was biased because she was an Obama appointee. He rounded out his post with hashtag fixes in. He altered the text. To be fair, calling the judge biased on the Instagram post isn't the smartest thing in the world to do. <laughs> but you see what he's done here as well. Right? Two sides, right? He by He's instigated this action from the judge, so now he can say that he's a victim of a biased judge. Like, he obviously can't say it now because there's a gag order, but, um, you know, his surrogates and the galaxy of, you know, voices that he exists in are now saying exactly that. Like, he, he's being treated unfairly because the judge is biased, and only a biased judge would put a gag order on him. And he, you know, he might have um, prodded that bear knowingly that that was going to be the case. I'm not sure. But either way, that's exactly what's happened about Mueller and added a few more hashtags. That post was also taken down. The same day, Stone filed a formal apology to the judge. I had no intention of disrespecting the court and humbly apologized to the court for the transgression. Should be a declared the judge a mistrial, and the prosecutor questioned the sincerity of Stone's apology, sincerity. given his other public comments. When the judge uh, <laughs> issued a gag order that did not limit my First Amendment rights, the left went completely insane. That's why they have cooked up this false narrative. I threatened no one. I intended to threaten no one. I never disrespected the judge or the court. Stone's legal troubles came to a head last month when he was arrested at his Florida home in a pre-dawn raid. 29 armed FBI agents, 17 vehicles, all an unnecessary expenditure uh, paid for by the taxpayers for the theater of it to create a public image of me as guilty before. Uh, I get an opportunity to prove that I'm innocent. He pleaded not guilty to seven <laughs> charges Nixon. of obstruction, <laughs> making false statements, and witness tampering. Now, when it comes to his case, Roger Stone Let's is allowed Wolf's to say he to is say. innocent. He's allowed to continue to ask for donations to his legal defense fund. And Wolf, he Isn't can that still funny? He's allowed, he's allowed, very, very generous of the judge. He's allowed to continue to ask for donations for his legal defense fund, but he's not allowed to talk about why he's taking the donations to a legal defense fund. <laughs> so, Roger, you're free to keep taking money for the case. You're just not not allowed to talk about the case at all. Okay. Hello, my name's Roger Stone. Please donate to my legal defense fund. What are you defending yourself against? I can't tell you. I can't say. I'm sorry, what? Please, please, I'm under attack from the courts. Please donate to my defense fund. What for? What's the story? Oh, I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you. See how ridiculous that is? Hey, he can still take money. He can still take money. I'm not being cruel. I'm not being harsh. He incited violence. He threatened me. He can still take money for his legal defense fund. He just can't tell you what it's for out there publicly talking about other issues that have nothing to do with this case but when it comes to what we've seen from him in the last week or so talking about the case all over instagram all over these various media interviews that's not allowed anymore sarah stick around i want to bring in uh, pamela brown our yeah, senior white house someone. correspondent you've covered uh, a lot uh, of this russia investigation over the past couple of years threatening a federal judge uh, that potentially is another federal crime could what? roger stone face additional charges as a result of this he certainly <laughs> But he didn't threaten a federal judge. You're you're insinuating, you're implying that he did. You're choosing to 
infer a threat of a federal judge. But see the way, like, the assumed truth just rolls off the tongue? Well, threatening... uh, See, and again, he didn't say that Roger Stone threatened a federal judge. He said threatening a federal judge is a crime. (laughs) (laughs) See, these people are very good at what they do, creating this false reality. And, you know, people just lap it up. could, but it's likely that would have already happened. I mean, the judge could have gone further than she did today. This uh, hearing could have gone in a lot of different directions, as Sarah well knows. Imagine if he did get, see, this is how stupid these people are. They would be salivating at the thought of Roger Stone being locked up for an Instagram post. Can you imagine, could you imagine the fallout if that happened in America? We've been reading stories over the last five, ten years about people being locked up for saying things on Twitter or saying things on Facebook for Instagram posts. Could you imagine if that actually happened in the United States? The outrage? They stopped short. Oh, the judge could have gone further. Don't don't you dare don't you dare tweet anything that could be you know deciphered as threatening on Instagram, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Don't you dare! No, no, no! You behave yourselves now. Um, but, and he did stop shooting. <laughs> Great comment in the chat. Throw him in the water and see if he floats. <laughs> going any further? She did say, "Look, what you did posting that picture with the pair of crosshairs could incite others." So she really put it in the con- okay. See, they're going to say Roger Stone is inciting violence against the judge. You can't say he's inciting violence against anybody if there is no violence. Right? Like, oh, this Instagram post is inciting violence. Okay, where's the evidence of that? There's a whole lot of people not doing violent things. Is that is that the evidence? Oh, it could incite violence. We just read a story about a woman who literally married a fucking zombie dog. This, this could inspire a lot of other people to do the same, right? Anything could incite violence. Anything. Where if, if you're dealing, what if someone's like a psych, uh, psychopath? What if someone has very serious mental health issues and they, they read something completely innocent and then from that infer all kinds of threats and anger and violence and then they go out and shoot somebody because of it or attack somebody because of it? It happens quite a bit. They really, they really just want you to be scared of saying anything at this point because he didn't even say it. It was a picture. Context of this could have been a very dangerous situation, but she stopped short. It could have been a very dangerous situation. <laughs> oh of putting him behind bars for this, although she did expand the gag order. And it's going to be interesting um, moving forward what Roger Stone does because he has made it clear Posting online, talking to reporters, is his oxygen, is his lifeline. But the judge said today, look. Better post, better post the image again, just to be sure. Do you think he was inciting violence, ladies and gentlemen, by posting that picture? Well, doesn't matter. Uh, the judge's opinion is all it needs. No trial. This could have been uh, threatening. And that's all we need to do. The could have's, the could have's and the should have's and the maybes. That's your reality now. That's how fluid reality is. Enjoy it.
Four women who look alike discover their sisters after DNA test. Wow. <laughs> the women found out they were all born to the same mother. I don't know if this video is going to What you need to know about Dennis Blackstone. It's a good nervous. <laughs> it's a happy, it's a happy nervous. Is that family is his constant. It started at birth with his twin brother, Doug. Both were adopted at three years old and grew up knowing they had a biological sister. <laughs> Dennis would finally meet her 70 years later. When Connie came running toward him. They took a DNA test to decide that they were siblings, and you'll be pleased to know each of them is one one-thousandth American Indian. It was an unreported fact. And they're now, they're now able to claim entitlements. Four women who were drawn to each other because of how similar they look have discovered they are sisters through DNA testing. Shannon Holly Nicole, 49, Rachel Arthur Dyer, 53, met for the first time at a Kenny Chesney concert in 2010. God, how awful. After years of their mutual friends telling them how much they look alike, the women told the Virginia pilot. It wasn't just their physical appearance that people commented on, Dyer said. It was their mannerisms as well. Kind of kind of shatters that whole um, nature versus nurture thing, doesn't it? Two people separated at birth end up having the same mannerisms 50 years later, raised in different environments, different households, different parents, different siblings. How does that work? Dyer eventually went to teach at Tallwood Elementary in Virginia Beach, where Nickel had already been teaching, and their colleagues would mention that the two could be sisters. DNA tests taken by other family members in 2017 confirmed... Oh, but the women uh, each already had one. Dyer's twin sister, Crystal Arthur Harrington, lives in Seattle, and Nicole's sister, Lisa Holly Van, also looked like the trio. They confirmed all four women, women were born to the same mother, Janice Moore, who had put the twins up for adoption after deciding she couldn't provide for them. Moore had demanded that the twins stay together and be raised in a Catholic home, and the, ki- the twins grew up near Seattle. Two years after putting the twins up for adoption, Moore met Dean Holly, and the couple were married and had two daughters in Virginia Beach. Look at that. 50 years later. <clears throat> Isn't that sensational? Dyer and Harrington knew they were adopted and always wondered if they could have more siblings. Moore took the secret of the adoption to the grave with her, Van said, but she did tell her sister, Tracy Hall, who passed down the secret to her daughter, Sue Hall. Separated at birth. It is a remarkable story. But to be fair, we could have pay, uh, we could have saved all this print space for real news if they had have just been aborted, right? Which is what? Which is what we want, because we're progressives. All right. Let's do it. Let's burn through Jussie. Jussie paints a picture about how it's going to be. Two white guys putting a noose around me as I walk in Chicago for my sandwich. Hold the cheese. Jesse paints a picture about how it's going to be. Jesse Smollett gave detailed instructions, wanted an attack on camera, prosecutor says. Let's have a look, CBS. Fire star, actor Jesse Smollett. He surrendered to Chicago police today and was surrounded by TV cameras after posting a $100,000 bond. The head of the police department accused Smollett of staging a publicity stunt using, quote, the pain and anger of racism. Run, run, Jesse. His career. Run, imagine the flashbacks. Imagine the flashbacks of fear of that horrible night. Good evening, I'm Jeff. He was running to his car. With the fall of an empire. Oh, my God. Jesse Smollett. Look at all the the white people chasing him. Ah! 
Look at all the white people chasing him. It's real. It happened. There was actually a little tweet that somebody put out here. I think it's the same footage. Let's have a little look. Stay to the side. Stay to the side. All right, cameras, move all right, over. Move over. Clear path. Clear path, please. Bunch of white people chasing an innocent black man. Disgusting. Disgusting behavior. Jesse, do you apologize to the LGBT community? Jesse, what do you think that you have anything to say your empire castmates? The, the amazing part, like, look how, mu- look how much more famous he is now. It worked, Jussie. It worked. Genius. Genius play. Genius play. That's how you get credit. That's how you get reputation. Look at this. Nobody was doing this before he before he went through with this little stunt. <laughs> Nobody gave a fuck. <laughs> That's a sad irony. Before this, he could have walked down the street to a, a Subway sandwich shop and nobody would have bothered him. <laughs> Now he's just going to have a whole legion of people chasing him down, sticking a camera in his face, getting up at his grill. <laughs> he, he may regret this. <laughs> he may end up regretting this. I'm not sure. You know, once upon a time, I could just walk down to McDonald's and buy a Big Mac and nobody got in my face. Those days are over. <laughs> Sweet irony. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Dare I say, dare I say, it's almost like he's in the movies. <laughs> almost like he's in the movies now. Fantastic stuff. Go police today and was surrounded by TV cameras after posting a $100,000 bond. The head of the police department accused Smollett of staging a publicity stunt using, quote, the pain and anger of racism to promote his career. The judge said the charges, if true, are utterly outrageous. Utterly outrageous, sir. This is outrageous, sir. How dare you, sir. Um, I thought it'd be interesting just to see a little bit of what the cops said. Let's check it out. Because I thought, I thought this, as Chris Mack would say, this was powerful. Powerful. Before I get started on why we're here, you know, as I look out into the crowd, I just wish that the families of gun violence in this city got this much attention because that's Jesse, really the camera loves you baby the amount of attention that we're giving to this particular incident there you go so this morning i come to you not only as the super- see here's here's something for the um the activists in america who like to chant about dead cops and stuff you've got your problems you've got your issues no no question there that's all right that's that's for you but here's the thing here's here's another little truthism for you if you waste the cops time they really get fucking pissed. They get really pissed when you waste their time or when you try to make them look like idiots. They really don't like that. <laughs> right? See, they'll actually stand there and control... Like, they'll stand there on the side of the road while you jump around and chant in their face, good cops are dead cops and stuff. They'll stand there. They'll watch you. They might not like it, but they really get pissy when you waste their time and try to make them look like idiots. When you send them off on a manhunt for two people that don't exist, they really don't like that shit. I don't know about you guys, but I was taught like when you get uh, pulled up by a copper or whatever, when you get stopped by a copper, like, yes, sir, no, sir. You know what I mean? Don't waste their time. Don't be a smart ass. Just, yes, sir, no, sir. Were you speeding? Yes, sir. (laughs) Do you have an excuse? No, sir. 
and then they just write you the ticket and they're like, all right, have, have a good day. See you later. But if you fuck around and you waste their time and you give them attitude, then they get pissed because you're just making their job harder than it has to be. And it's already a shitty job to begin with. It's a shitty job. Someone's got to do it, but it's a shitty job, right? So can you imagine this guy after all this? Because now he has to come out and give a press conference. Now he has to come out and explain what happened. He doesn't want to do that. He wanted to be out there hunting down the guys who attacked this poor guy who was going for a sandwich. Now he has to do this instead. Superintendent of the Chicago Police Department, but also as a black man who spent his entire life living in the city of Chicago. I know the racial divide that exists here. I know how hard it's been for our city and our nation. That's right. Sometimes they together. sometimes they just give you a job, uh, a warning if you make their job easier. That's 100% true. And say, look, don't do it again, mate. All right? See you later. And I also know the disparities, and I know the history. This announcement today recognizes that Empire actor Jesse Smollett took advantage of the pain and anger of racism Ooh. to promote his career. Ooh. I'm left hanging my head and asking why. Yeah. Why would anyone, especially an African-American man, use the symbolism of a noose to make false accusations. Cause he's an actor, baby. Yeah. Cause he's a talented up and coming B grade star. That's why. Cause you gotta make waves. You gotta make an impact, motherfucker. Nobody would have known about the hate crime if I didn't use a noose and wear it around all night. Gotta make waves, baby. How the hell am I supposed to get on the papers without a noose? Come on, Chief. Chief, have you have you handed in your portfolio yet? By any chance? You would be great playing the you would be great playing the disappointed cop in the Jesse Smollett life story, I think. Cause I I, I want to see this. I want to see I want to see this turned into a TV show. Like the ultimate irony at the end of the day. B grade star. Looks to um, looks to accelerate career prospects by staging a fake hate crime, and then we make a TV show about the the guys trying to accelerate his career by staging a hate fake crime, and we get somebody else to play Jussie Smollett. <laughs> and because he was found guilty, um, no, he can't get paid for it because if you're found guilty guilty of a crime, you can't profit from it. So we'll we'll put out the casting call and we'll get somebody else to play. Who do you think would make a good Jussie Smollett? I'm not sure. Let's put the call out. Let's get this going. The Jussie Smollett story. (laughs) (laughs) And then he'll be famous as a reference in a movie about him while he can't be in it and profit from it. I think it would be fantastic. How could someone look at the hatred and suffering associated with that symbol and see an opportunity to manipulate that symbol to further his own public profile. Well, he did, though. To be to be fair, he did further his own public profile. Like a lot of people have said in this chat, nobody knew who this fucking joker was a month ago. Nobody knew and nobody cared. Next thing you know, he's on the front page of every paper. His, his PR team are fucking geniuses, as far as I can tell. How can an individual who's been embraced by the city of Chicago 
turn around and slap everyone in this city in the face by making Ooh. these false chalk claims. Yeah. Bogus police reports cause real harm. They do harm to Shopton starring as Smollett. <laughs> every legitimate victim who's in need of support by police and, and investigators as well as the citizens of this city. Chicago hosts one of the largest pride parades in the world, and we're proud of that as a police department and also as a city. We do not, nor will we ever tolerate hate in our city, whether that hate is based on an individual's sexual orientation, race, or anything else. So I'm offended by what's happened, and I'm also angry. I love the city of Chicago and the Chicago Police Department, warts and all. But this publicity stunt was a scar that Chicago didn't earn and certainly didn't deserve. Yeah. Yep. Now you watch two years from now, Jesse Smollett's going to be uh, tweeting about police brutality. Or, you know, and the other sad thing is Jesse Smollett may, may report some, you know, some hater trolls on Twitter to the Chicago Police Department. What do you think they're going to do? What do you think they're going to do? Like I said, it's a massive kick in the face uh, for the police and they don't appreciate it. Uh, might be time to run back to Hollywood, I think, for Jesse, where things make sense, where you can walk down the road and impersonate a victim and everybody gives you a round of applause. Instead of throwing you in jail. Get back to where the good people are. Where everybody's faking everything all the time. Then you won't even stand out. Then you'll just be a face in the crowd. And that'll be so much better. Let's carry on. Here's a little article here from Slate. Jussie Smollett allegedly staged attack because he was upset about his salary. What? (laughs) Actor Jussie Smollett, known for his role on Empire, well, that's argu- that's debatable. Uh, best known for his role on Empire. I don't think he's known. Turned himself into Chicago police early on Thursday morning, shortly after being charged with the distor- uh, disorderly conduct and filing a false police report. As he awaits bail, a hearing scheduled a bail hearing scheduled for later in the afternoon. Authorities have been releasing staggering details about his curious alleged plot. It's very, hmm, hmm, so curious. Very curious indeed, sir. The curious case of Jesse Smollett. Why would this seemingly averagely talented black man perpetuate upon himself a false hate crime in order to further his career? Hmm, it's very, very curious indeed. He alleged plot to fake a racist and homophobic hate crime against himself. Why couldn't why couldn't he just what normal why couldn't he just do what normal people do in a cry for help situation and just take like half a bottle of sleeping pills? Is it I don't remember anybody complaining about that. You know, once upon a time if you were trying to, you know, have a cry for help moment and draw attention upon yourself, you know, you would you would you would call up your friend and say I'm going to go jump off the roof or something. Or, like I said, take half a bottle of sleeping pills. Oh, my God, Jesse, don't do it. Oh. Then then you can earn the praise and earn the love. You can still go on the um, whirlwind I tried to kill myself fantasy tour, NBC, CNN. They'd love to hear your story, bro. 
Next thing you know, you are you are the B grade star who you know nearly killed themselves, and you are now like a beacon of hope. You're a beacon of hope for all the depressed people in the world. And here's another thing: you can say, <clears throat> "Well, I did it because of the racism and the homophobia that I get," and I just couldn't go on. And people go, "Oh my god, it's so tragic!" But see, see, you don't have to hire any Nigerians. You don't have to tie a noose around your neck. That is a very clean hoax PR stunt. Very clean indeed. You know what I mean? And this is what we were talking about in the start. Once upon a time, people just knew this shit. I think he's been I think he's been too Hollywooded. He tried to get special effects involved and everything. There's no need for that. Half a bottle of sleeping pills. Say you did it because of racism and homophobia. You don't have to name any perpetrators. You do the whirlwind PR tour, you become a hero, you get twice as much money, and then everybody loves you. Done. Done. Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson held a heated news conference concerning the department's investigation on Thursday morning. Johnson claimed that Smollett had orchestrated the fake attack because he was dissatisfied with his salary. Smollett was paid $65,000 per episode. See, that's also not a way to endear yourself to the population. I'm only getting $65,000 per show. That's why I had to go to uh, to Subway, you see. I can't afford to eat caviar on $65,000 a show. How many shows does um this, this how many shows does Empire have on a contract? Is it 8? 8 or 12? Somewhere in there. Whatever it is. It's a shitload of more money than most people make. We could be getting up around half a million dollars a year, right? Crying poor. I deserve more. This poor guy. See, I didn't like I said, I didn't even want to get into this. Oh well. We're gonna have to. Let's do this one. It's time for Lemon Tree, very pretty, and the lemon flowery sweet. But the fruit of the One of our favourite personalities on TV, another victim, uh, he decided to weigh in, ladies and gentlemen, Don Lemon. I find it baffling only because he's well known. Um, he may not be uh, a, a sort of the biggest star. People know fake news. Oh no! But people people know him. He was on a show that's fairly popular. A lot of young people know him. When this happened, it it did sort of uh, trigger a lot of outpouring of, of emotional support uh, from a lot of different people, from a lot of different uh, producers and, and television uh, people who worked in the sort of entertainment industry. So that's what I find it most disturbing. But uh, but I would also say that. Um, if this is true, right, as as Joey rightfully pointed out, he is innocent until proven guilty. Right. I, I think the saddest- <laughs> Okay. Yes, again, see. I am someone who says innocent until proven guilty, but I will tack on a little bit of a rider to that insinuation. That being... It's pretty rare for the superintendent of the police department to come out and make a press conference about how pissed off they are about the thing that you are accused of. That doesn't happen very often. 
So, yes, innocent until proven guilty, but uh, the police chief has come out and called you a son of a bitch for doing it. So, you know, I think their case is probably pretty strong at this point. <laughs> just, just making an assumption. I'm not trying to assume guilt. I'm not saying that anybody's guilty. Guilty until proven innocent, of course. But the police chief did come out and call you a son of a bitch. So, you know. <laughs> that doesn't normally happen for a speeding ticket. Part about this is that he has chosen, if true, uh, if to true. scapegoat black queer folk who what? often are in the crosshairs ah. of violence. In the last five years, 120, about 128 uh, transgendered. Here we go. And and the diversion kicks off, ladies and gentlemen. And here we and the funneling into a new discussion starts. There it is. You know, what's really sad about this is it takes attention off all of the real red hat wearing SS guard goose stepping around, beating the shit out of black people and gay people. The real tragedy about the Jussie Smollett case isn't that he made it up. It's the fact that nobody's talking about all of the real hate crimes that happen to people just like Jussie. That's the tragedy here. And you know what? I blame the Trump media. I blame the Trump media. For too long, they have been trying to squash real hate crimes because they're ashamed. They're ashamed of all the awful people who go bashing people up in different parts of the world, in different cities across the US, wearing their red hats of death. So they try to smother. They try to smother these real stories, these real hate crimes. And the only reason we're talking about this fake hate crime is because everybody knows who he is. I mean, right? We get back to the real issue, please, which is all the other stuff that we're not talking about right now. Have been killed. The vast majority of them have been black women. Uh, you have um, higher incidence of suicide from LGBTQ teens, from young people. Um, just in the past year, we've had two black gay men die uh, in the home of Ed Buck, who is... All of which is irrelevant, my dear, to this case. All of which is 100% completely and utterly irrelevant to this case. It would be like asking me to go on CNN about and talk about climate change, and then I start talking about, like, my favourite car. By making like a tenuous link. Well, you know, cars have a lot to do with climate change. By the way, have you seen the new Porsches? My God, man. The leather inside that motherfucker. You could eat caviar off those seats. Gorgeous, gorgeous car. Beautiful car. The shape, the, the fuel economy is outrageously good, man. Got a deal. Wait, wait. Should, aren't we talking about, you know, climate change? Yes, exactly. Like, there's one story about climate change now, but really, the real story here is my beautiful car. A Democratic donor, and oh, as far as we know, there's been no investigation. So th so those things, those crimes are not hoaxes. So it it's my hope that this is not used as an excuse to sort of forget okay. about the true violence that's happening in this so <laughs> Why would this be used as an excuse to forget about true violence? What does that even mean? So now so now what? So now see the problem is 
now we have to um, stop talking about this because the more we talk about this, people like you and me, just average people who are like, this son of a bitch, he fooled everybody. He tried to trick everybody. What an asshole, right? People, normal people like that. <clears throat> and and again, this would be something that crosses the ideolo- uh, ideological divide, I think, for the most part. It's really only going to be the really wacky, you know, fringy types hanging on to their credibility as their fingernails get ripped out, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel, looking for any kind of outrage porn that they can pleasure themselves to at any stage. It's only going to be those people who try to put up this bullshit kind of reasoning with this. I think most people will say, nah, the guy's a son of a bitch. He tried to fool everybody. He made it up. Fuck him, you know? And that, that'll be the end of it. But they can't have that. Their, their identity itself is tied to their politics and their political identity is tied to the fact that everybody over there needs to be like a dangerous, hate-filled person who at any moment can just snap into an orgy of violence. And they need to repeat it constantly. Repeat, 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 repeat. And so I, I really hope that this doesn't take attention away from all of the real hate out there. Well, why would it? Why would it? It does draw attention to the fake hate, which is exactly what we're trying to avoid here. Right? This draws attention to other hoaxes. So what we really need to do now is pretend like this doesn't, doesn't exist pretend that this whole incident was some kind of sick PR parody stunt and it was really it really wasn't a hoax crime it was a cry for help right you see what we're doing here it was a cry for help it wasn't a hoax crime look at all of these crimes they're not hoaxes so let's not take the attention off the real crimes because we would really hate attention being on the hoax crimes right let's just be real here let's be real don let's Among be real the most skeptical people, the early skeptics, were black queer folk saying, this just doesn't seem to add up. I hope it's, you know, he's not lying. Right. But this just doesn't add up. Because why? Why do you think they were so skeptical of it? Well. (laughs) You know, the first skeptics were the black queer folks as well, you know. Did you realize that? I wonder if they got called maggotards as well. <laughs> I wonder if they got called rednecks when they when they expressed their concern as to you know some of the aspects of this case. Do you think they do you think they got called racists and lynch mobs as well? Maybe not. Maybe not. Common sense yeah. often always kicks in. Um, I think the the way he had outlined or sort of uh, the the way the facts were put out, it was a little too perfect. Uh, um, and the idea... Wait, what? what? <laughs> the facts were a little too perfect. <laughs> but if the facts were perfect, nobody would ask. Nobody would be saying, I don't believe this. The whole reason that people were sceptical is because the facts were not perfect. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> The, the reason common sense kicks in at some point. And the reason that people were asking questions about this case was because the facts were perfect. Right. Right. 
that at least there were allegations that he kept the rope around his leg for a long time. Did he uh -huh. go to the hospital right away? There didn't seem to be a press conference right after it happened, you know, from his attorneys to sort of outline exactly what happened. Well, what was the extent of his injuries? He said that he, you know, a, a liquid was, was poured on him. What was that? There just didn't seem to be um, bleach. He said bleach. enough outrage from him right after it happened in terms of letting us know what the facts are. I, 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 think it's, I, I see it this way. Look, the bottom line is when things happen, number one, we live in a very visual society, exactly. right? Exactly. And generally, when we're having a conversation, Don Midwin, there's a videotape, we're analyzing it, we're dissecting it. That was not the case here. There's a cell phone, there's some surveillance, it was absent. So then you go to the facts and you say, could it have happened? And then you get to the fact it's two in the morning. And then you get to the fact it's 20 degrees below zero. And then you get to the fact that it's 40 minutes after the fact that you reported. And then you get to the fact that you still have the noose around your neck. And then you get to the fact that you still have your Subway sandwich. And then you get to the fact so that you cell phone records and you were supposed to turn them over, but you redacted so them beforehand. And then you get to the fact that I happened to be on the phone with my manager at the time. And so therefore, people were skeptical as to the story. Now, going back real quick, Don, to what you're talking about, about why. No one knows why. And the point is, from a prosecutor's perspective, it's not going to even matter because you don't have to establish motive when you're talking about someone filing a false report. You just mm -hmm. will have to establish that you did it. And it's troubling. And the other issue is it demeans and undervalues people who are true victims of That's crime, right. who really are out crying for investigations. And not only that, but you're talking about the diversion of resources. Let's keep it real. You want to keep it real? We're talking yeah, this about guy's Chicago. A, this guy's a thunderbolt. There's plenty of places that 12 detectives <laughs> could have been investigating. I've, I've never seen Don Lemon be, shut, be silent for so long on his own show. This guy doesn't give him a chance. He's just bang, 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 bang. Don's just sitting there with his mouth open. <laughs> He's waiting for an opportunity to get in. This guy won't let him have one. Sensational. Mm -hmm. As opposed to executing search warrants. And then factually, they even the police now have the receipt for the noose that's around his neck. I think it's a <laughs> problematic case. Well, according to the reports that are out there, and it's even part of uh, the police department, so he says that he didn't want to report it, that his uh, friend made him report it. And that's yeah. what took so long. Some of those questions has been answered. That no, no, no. And that he so, did, some on. of the questions he's answered as to whether those answers carry merit yes, or are sufficient. That's it. another issue. When we're prepping clients, I mean, there are answers to everything. Yeah. But the issue is, does it make sense? Mm -hmm. Does it resonate? And when you keep having to explain, why didn't you turn and, over the and, full phone? And record? is it credible? Right. Does it make sense given the circumstances? Is it reasonable? Does it? What? No. No. Is it is it reasonable? Would would a victim of crime do and say the things that he did? No. But, you know, I watched his interview on Good Morning America. Why and do I do? I doesn't doesn't have to be reasonable, though. It's Hollywood, baby. It's Hollywood. I'm not going to sell tickets if I can't, you know, make people believe that I was a victim of a lynch crime with bleach involved. You can't sell tickets with homophobic slurs in Hollywood these days. You gotta be dramatic. You gotta sell the drama. Came Why away. did he do that interview? I, I don't. Let I, me just I, say I something too. With, I came away with watching him thinking. I hope he's telling the truth. Because Why? I'm not convinced. Okay. I hope he's telling the truth because I'm convinced. <laughs> so let me say something about this. Here we go. Someone who sits here, here every single night, and. Try to get interviews with people who are involved in the news. Yep. Oftentimes, with, when people go, they go into crisis mm. PR management. They call a crisis PR person. Yeah. Yep. That crisis PR person will tell them, do a morning show. Mm -hmm. They've right. got a lot of viewers. Whatever, throw yourself in the yep. mercy of the court. This is not 
1997. It's not even 2006. It's not even 20. That exactly. no it's longer Carnegie. works. This oh. is, and in this particular case, this is not an entertainment story. This has become a political story because of the whole MAGA part. And you know where uh. that is played out and lived daily in cable news and on social media. <laughs> so if you're going to take Yes. Yes. This has become a political story. He made it a political story, Don. He wanted it to be a political story because political stories, stories of political hatred are sexy. And you know why they're sexy, Don? Because jokers like you sit there every single night and make them so. Yeah. If if the MAGA thing, if there was no MAGA element to it, do you reckon, you know, it would have been reported half as much or a third as much as it was? Really? It's become a political story because of the whole MAGA thing. See, these networks, they love sexing up, you know, these kinds of hate stories, right? It's their bread and butter. It's their oxygen. They need it to live. Without this this dramatic, you know, political era that we're all living in now, they would not exist. He says he says it's not an entertainment story. The Don Lemon show is an entertainment story. CNN is an entertainment network. <laughs> news news attainment. Your fight. You need to take it to the pit. To where it's happening. It's not happening on morning shows. That's right. They talk about the news for a few minutes. Nothing against morning shows. I love all my colleagues there. I think they do a great job, but that's not where it is now, especially when it comes to this. But I'm saying is that doesn't work. Come on a show like this. or <laughs> Now we get to the true story. Jussie Smollett, I am a fellow gay black man. Why didn't you give me the exclusive, you son of a bitch? Now it all makes sense. Ah! It doesn't work anymore. Come on my show! <laughs> if you had have come on my show, this whole tragedy could have been averted. Jussie, don't you see? Don't you see? Don't listen to the PR experts. Listen to Uncle Donnie. Don't listen to the guys telling you go on the morning shows. Don't listen. It doesn't work anymore. You have to go where the action is. You have to be right here. Right here on Don Lemon Tonight. That's where you belong. That's where you need to be. If you want to make this whole horrible incident go behind you, you need to get into CNN studio lickety-split like you were running away from a couple of white guys and a bottle of bleach. Am I right? Yeah, get your ass in here, Jussie. Any of my other colleagues, and sit down with us live for an hour or however long it takes. An hour? Answer the questions. A whole hour? That need to be answered from real journalists. I shouldn't say that. From journalists <laughs> who don't have to worry about the entertainment arm of their particular well, company. I Bullshit! <laughs> real journalists who don't want to have do who don't have to worry about the entertainment arm of their operation. Don Lemon is pissed off that this entertainment guy didn't come on his show to tell the story about his hoax hate crime. <laughs> you should have come here. The real person he needs to answer questions from 
is the police. Well, and one of the comment uh, in the chat: Don got cock blocked by a Good Morning America tranny kids for breakfast show. <laughs> I think odd aspects of this from the very beginning is this inability to turn over the. the you cell may phone. be right about that, you but let me tell I mean? you this, and Joey, I know this. You can a, a good lawyer can get you out just about anything, right? Or reduce whatever it is that you're going to suffer. In the court of public opinion, Jussie has lost. He's right. lost the fight in the court of yeah. public opinion. Yeah. And that's where his battle is. Whether Legally, if he has to go, whatever he has to serve, if it's jail time, if he has to do probation, if he has to pay, whatever. But in the court of public opinion... It, it matters. It, it matters. And he lost yeah. that because of how, and, and not his fault, maybe people were... It's not his fault. Nothing's his fault. How, maybe because of his representatives. I, who, who knows? I, I don't yeah. know. But it was handled poorly. Fault. I don't know. It was handled poorly. He lost in the public in the court of public opinion, and so did I, ladies and gentlemen. That was. Ladies and gentlemen, Sour Lemon. Uh, one more and then we'll get off Jussie. We'll get off Jussie for a while. Um, I thought this was fun. If Jussie Smollett is a hoaxer, what do we call Donald Trump? Uh, easy. President. <laughs> Done. Done. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe Jussie could be president one day. All right? Am I right? There's your positive spin story, Don Lemon. Hey. If a ho- if if a hoaxer like Donald Trump can become president, maybe Jussie Smollett can be president too. Jussie Smollett and Donald Trump both pushed race baiting hoaxes, but only one is facing real consequences. I know, right? Am I right? It's just so unfair. It's so unfair. Because the demon god controlling our reality currently lacks in subtlety. <laughs> Is, is that not the greatest fucking opening to an article you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> Serious news at Salon, ladies and gentlemen. If Jussie Smollett is a hoaxer, what do we call Donald Trump? Mm, this, this is a very serious, hard-hitting article. How do, we, how do we attack it? Because the demon god controlling our current reality lacks in subtlety, the news cycle of the past month has been dominated by two hoaxes that play heavily on racial and sexual fears in modern American life. There you go. I don't. Know. I don't even know if I want to read the rest of it. I don't. I don't know if the demon god controlling our reality is going to let me decipher this piece. They're going to let me disseminate it. Accusing him of faking an assault against himself. The the Chicago police are accusing him <laughs> of faking an assault against himself in late January when the Empire Star claimed two men shouting Trump's MAGA slogan and racist homophobic slurs attacked him. This hoax follows on the heels of the latest development in a long-running hoax concocted by Donald Trump. How... <laughs> These people are special. These people are special. What a jump. What a segue, right? What a segue. For years now, Trump has been spinning an elaborate hoax meant to trick the media. 
at least conservative voters, into believing that there's an invasion at the southern border and only a wall can stop it. Last week, after Congress declined to participate in a hoax by giving Trump money for the wall, Trump, desperate to keep the hoax going, declared a national emergency and moved to reappropriate funds to build his wall. Both hoaxes play off racialized and sexualized fears of violence. See, here's the other here's the other cute little thing for you, Salon. Um, what were the stats? Uh, Two hundred thousand people, you know, attacked violently, some sexually by illegal immigrants. That's the record that comes from, you know, the law enforcement officials of the U.S. government, right? Two hundred thousand people attacked either violent or sexual by illegal immigrants. Um, people on record at the U.S. government for having attacked Jesse Smollett, zero. Zero. Oh, they're both the same. It's the same thing. Can't you see? Can't you see how Donald Trump is hoaxing everybody? <laughs> ah, just wiping my hands there. People on people on record in law enforcement offices having being attacked by uh, illegal immigrants, 200,000. People on record attacking Jesse Smollett, zero. Zero. I, th- I think the redefinition of hoax is in full swing, don't you? Smollett seems to have been banking on the all-too-real danger of assault that queer people of colour face, especially in an age when hate crimes are on the rise. But I thought, I thought, hang on, I thought illegal immigrant crime, for example, was just all a hoax. I thought it was all made up. What do you, what do you mean it's, it's a violent, nasty world out there? Surely you lie, Salon. Surely you lie. Trump, in perpetuating his invasion hoax, frequently tells lurid, false stories of Mexican men grabbing women and taping them up, wrapping tape around their mouths in order to sell them to rapists, which plugs into a long-standing history of racist fear-mongering about rape to justify hatred of those perceived by white people as other. Wow. If a white person talks about rape in regards to illegal immigration... That's really because you're racist. (laughs) If Jesse Smollett makes up a hate crime, it's because he's just like Donald Trump. Except one is a president, one is not, apparently. (laughs) All right. Salon. I might tweet that out for your enjoyment. Go through it. Uh, You can go through it and read it for yourself. That's only if the demon god controlling our reality doesn't stop you first. Uh, We did that one. Here's something nice for you. Who saw this? Um, you know, Michael Bublé. I call him Michael Bubble. And concert goers in New York City were stunned and swept away by one college student's powerhouse vocal. See, this is the way to become a star. This is how you become a star. Now, this girl, so she just went to a Bublé concert, a Bubble concert, and he goes up to people in the crowd and says, here you go, do you want to have a sing? You know, let's see, let's show us your chops. And now, you know, it's gone viral and everyone loves her. It's like, oh, my God, what a great singer. That's how you get famous, Jussie. Jussie should have just headed to a Michael Bublé concert and then accused people of homophobic hate crimes. Then you would be getting somewhere. On a street in, you know, Chicago, going for a Subway sandwich, that's not going to move copy. That's not going to get your name out there. You need to go somewhere where the action is, where the cameras are. Either Don Lemon's show or a Michael Bubble concert. Let's check it out. Finally tonight, America Strong, Michael Bublé 
and his co-star. This was the moment overnight at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Michael Bublé handing the microphone to a young woman in the audience. He asks her name. Aaron Bellucci. Sing it now. Aaron Bellucci from West Hartford, Connecticut. That's her sister hoping he'll ask her to sing. Bublé tells the crowd, go easy on her. It's not planned. And in the crowd, the guy looking for the next American Idol, Ryan Seacrest. One of the things that he does at his show is he lets somebody in the audience perform. Now, the question always is, is this a setup or not? Right? Please. Another way to get famous is um, just do what uh, James R. does, which is appear on every single podcast and Periscope known to known to fucking man. I call it the Ryan Seacrest method. <laughs> just just go on every single show imaginable. Become ubiquitous. Then you'll get famous. It's, it's called doing a Seacrest. James R. The R stands for Ryan Seacrest. Dear God. <laughs> so it was not set up, and she was about to sing. She looks back. Is this for real? By the way, you can see me and James R on Trust and Verify every Sunday night, like right here, live on Periscope. <laughs> Sounds amazing. That's really good. She's, she doesn't have an earpiece or anything in. You know, because now singers these days, they have a little earpiece that plays the pitch that they're supposed to be singing in. So it's kind of like cheating, but they all do it. Even death metal singers do it now, which is fucking disgusting, to be fair. But she doesn't have any of those um, aids. She sounds amazing. She doesn't have those aids. <laughs> Don't cut that. Don't cut that. She sounds amazing. She doesn't have aids. <laughs> oh, no. We've, I think we've just hoaxed a hate crime. Aaron is a junior at the University of Delaware studying music education, telling us tonight she wants to teach music to children, but last night was her night. Michael Bublé sharing the mic with Aaron. We'll see you tomorrow. That's a good news story. It's a feel-good story. I like shit like that. Well done, young lady. Excellent. Um... Jussie Smollett may consider himself very lucky that he doesn't live in Indonesia, ladies and gentlemen. Did you see this story? Indonesia police apologise for using a snake in Papua interrogation. (laughs) You know the old cop shows like Dirty Harry and shit, and they'll come in and hit the guy over the back of the head with a phone book, you know, tell us where the fucking money is, you know, stuff like that. In Indonesia, they're still rocking and rolling. Look, they put a snake around this guy's neck and they're like, how many mobile phones have you stolen? He's like, shut up, I don't know. <laughs> See, this 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 actually wouldn't work in Australia. If you try to put a snake around an Australian's neck in an interrogation, they just go, ah, oh, hello there, little fella. How you going? 
Jeez, gorgeous, isn't he? Yeah, that's 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 the second most deadliest snake on planet Earth. That's called that's called an interrogation python. Yeah, look at him. Isn't isn't he a gorgeous little fella? Now don't put your hand too close to his mouth. Gotta be careful of that bite. Yeah. Thanks, officer. Can I keep him? Can I keep him? That's the way it would go down here. Well, let's check it out. Oh, he's not happy. He doesn't like it. See, this is also a staged... Now this is actually the police staging a, a hoax crime as well. <laughs> in Indonesia, in America, in America, you stage hoax crime and police get mad. In Indonesia, police stage hoax crime on you. What was, what was the name of that Russian guy? That actor they used to do? In Soviet, in Russia, you know, we have no money. What was that guy? Yakov Shmurdov. The Yakov Shmurdov of Indonesian comedy. When the investigator conducted the investigation, this is the police in Indonesia. Wow, it takes them a long time to say things. There was one member of the police who filmed it and then shared the footage. <laughs> so the cops were filming it. It's like, this is going straight to YouTube. This is going straight to Facebook. I'm going to get famous. I'm going to get famous Jesse Smollett style. <laughs> a video circulated online shows a man being questioned about stolen mobile phones seated with his hands tethered behind his back, yelling in distress as a snake is pushed towards his face by an officer. They don't fuck around, do they? The man who can be seen writhing on the ground for much of the time is asked by an officer, how many times have you stolen mobile phones? The suspect later responds by saying only two only two times. Just two? Just two? Okay, 200 mobile phones. No, sir, just two. Just two? During the video, a voice can be heard ordering the man to open his eyes and at one stage threatens to put the snake into his mouth and under his trousers. In a statement, Jawawiwaya, ya, 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 ya. Jambalaya. I don't I don't know if anyone can pronounce that. Indonesians and their wacky names. Jaya Wijaya. Jaya Wijaya. Let's go with that. Jaya Wijaya. Sounds like an African American porn star name. The sexy Jaya Wijaya. Police Chief Tony Ananda Swadaya issued an apology saying the investigator was not professional in doing his job. Yes, but the camera angles, the 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 way he captured the action was really good though, really good. I mean, look at the angle, like down down degrees, like thirty degrees. Make sure he's capturing the drama, capturing the fear, and the hands manipulating the snake. Great police work, says someone in the chat. <laughs> Swadaya added that the officers had been acting on their own initiative to try and get a confession. That's what we want. We want people acting on their own initiative. Very creative. Saying the snake was non venomous and tame. <laughs> imagine that imagine that interview when you pull the coppers in after the after the video goes viral in indonesian you know underground internet circles somewhere and you get the two coppers in and, and the, the chief is like did you really put this snake around this guy's head 
to get a confession. And they're like, oh, come on, chief. It's not even venomous. <laughs> it's not like he was going to die or anything. Come on. It was a total hoax. It was a total hoax to get a confession. It wasn't. It's not like he was going to end up in hospital or anything like that. Stop being such a pussy, man. We have taken stern action against the personnel, he said, adding the officers themselves had not physically attacked the man. Yeah, we, we didn't touch him. <laughs> we didn't touch the guy. We let the snake do it for us. We didn't have to. They got the confession, though. Papua Police spokesman Ahmed Mustafa Kamal said the case was being investigated by the Internal Affairs Unit and if violations of the law or code of conduct were proven, action would be taken. The former Dutch colony, the resource-rich western part of New Guinea Island, was incorporated into Indonesia after a widely criticised UN-backed referendum in 1969. Veronica Komen, a human rights lawyer focused on Papua, Said the text message that using, uh, said by text message that using a snake in this way represented torture and was not a one off incident in the area. Well, like I said, they don't fuck around. They don't fuck around. The Japanese snoo sh- <laughs> shoe sniffer needed this. <laughs> Someone in the chat. Fantastic stuff. All right. Do you want a bit of Australian news? Look how pussy Australia is getting now. Conspiracy theorist David Icke banned from entering Australia ahead of his speaking tour. What an utter disgrace. Controversial British conspiracy theorist David Icke has been banned from entering Australia with the Home Affairs Department cancelling his visa. By the way, um, it's apparently a conservative government in office right now in Australia. Believe it, believe it or not. Mr. Ike 66 believes the world has been taken over by alien lizards, including some who have infiltrated the British royal family. This is the this is the shit that really annoys me. So, <clears throat> you're saying that his views are so crazy, right? They're so far out there, they're so ridiculous that no sane rational person would ever believe them. So why ban him? Why ban him then? This is the problem. You can't, on one hand, diminish somebody as being irrelevant, conspiracy theorist, crazy, don't listen to this person, they're horrible, and then on the same, in the same breath say they're so dangerous we can't give them a visa to enter the country. Do you see how redundant that is? Because now, like, are people reading this while you're trying to say that he's some kind of crazy, wacko, dangerous person? You've just inspired 10,000 people to Google him up, right? Everybody. The other the other irony, the sweet irony here is, um, you know, we've got people arguing that we absolutely must allow returning ISIS jihadist fighters back into the country because that would be wrong to deny them access back into the country. But we have to ban David Icke, a 66-year-old British guy who talks about conspiracy theories. That has to stop. We can't have this. We can't have this in our community. Where have you been for the last three years? Well, I've been over in Syria fighting people, shooting people, beheading people. Well, come on in. We can't deny them their human rights. Come back home. In you come. If you're if you're a, if you're a senior citizen British man, you you must be stopped. We've got to put up the roadblock. We can't have this. He is a Holocaust denier who argues the September 11 terrorist attacks in New York City were an inside job. 
Mr. Ike was due to travel to Australia next month, taking his latest speaking tour to Melbourne, Adelaide, Brisbane, Hobart and Sydney. Tickets to his appearances ranged from $55 to $75. That's very, that's very economical. 55 to 75. How much were the top flight of um, Hillary Clinton's speaking tour tickets? They were like 500 bucks, weren't they? To get the top treatment? Yeah, he is entertaining. <clears throat> See, I can watch stuff without getting, you know, really angry and I just absorb things. I was watching a documentary yesterday about flat earth. It doesn't mean I'm about to go out and start burning globes in classrooms. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to see what these people have to say. See what these people are talking about. You know what I mean? And then when it was finished, I was like, hmm. And I wiped the popcorn dust from my mouth and I went up and took a piss and then I did something else. (laughs) This idea that people like, especially in in the corporate press, they have that they think we're all just like a bunch of mindless zombies. I mean, we are making love to zombies these days, so it's not its not completely out of the realm of possibility, I guess. Woman wed zombie doll, and they've even consummated the marriage. Maybe that was the wrong analogy. But you know what I mean? You can just watch stuff that you disagree with. What's wrong with that? You, sh- you should watch things you disagree with. And Ike is, like, he's a very... He's not just entertaining, but he's got like a lot of insight about different topics and a, and a great angle at coming at different things, which is very interesting. He's a very interesting person. So that, that must be banned from a speaking tour for the people. I, I didn't have a ticket. I got no, I got no skin in this game. But why not? Four hours that will change your life. The world's most famous alternative researcher has put together a presentation that will blow even the most open of minds, the tour website says. He has been ridiculed time and again, but the passage of time passes he has proved right again and again. Sources told the ABC his visa had been cancelled on character grounds. Ah, okay, it's not, not a nice enough fella. Here's, here's the uh, trick for you. Here's the snap. So the left-wing party in Australia is the Labor Party. Labor's immigration spokesman, Shane Newman, said the government has made the right decision in the case. Labor welcomes the fact that the government did what we called on them to do and refused David Icke's visa application. I don't even... If I didn't even know one thing about David Icke, I I would be able to tell you straight away, then this proves that they made the wrong choice. When the left-wing party is coming out and congratulating you for banning somebody from speaking in your country... You are, you've fucked up. You've done the wrong thing. You've done the wrong thing. And see, whether it's David Icke, because people will, you know, you know, hardcore lefties will say, oh, but he says horrible things, horrible views. You know, we don't want this in our community and stuff. I'm like, I don't care. Because they would allow, you know, quote unquote, hate preachers or, you know, communists to say things like all white people should be killed and stuff. I, I, I allow that too. In fact, more than that, I want people that say that kind of shit on primetime TV. I want everybody to see it. Get get you get your name out there as much as possible. You should be on every single channel. Everybody should know your name. If you're a professor that thinks white people need to be, you know, eaten by a flesh-eating virus, I want you on the news, man. I want to make you famous. So everybody gets a chance to see how fucking unhinged you are. So when the left-wing party comes out and says, well, we kind of 
I congratulate the Conservative government for refusing David Icke's admission into Australia. I'm like, well, you obviously done the wrong thing. Devere Abramovich, the chairman of the Anti-Defamation Commission who launched the campaign to revoke Mr Icke's visa, praised the government for, quote, declaring in a loud voice that anti-Semites and Holocaust deniers will never find a home in Australia. The Anti-Defamation Commission, ladies and gentlemen. They launched the campaign to revoke Mr. Ike's visa. Oh, okay. Jeez. Um, you know, it would be horrible for to make it easier for people to stereotype the Jewish lobby, uh, the Jewish lobby's influence in Australian politics, wouldn't it? You'd really, you really wouldn't want to do that, would you? Allowing Ike into our country would have crossed the red lines and would have sent the message that it is open season on the Jewish community and vilifying and maligning Australian Jews is okay and normal. Really? Really? Where was that message? I'm, that must be another one of those dog whistles. You know those dog whistles that you never hear about because you can't hear them because only racists can hear them. Racists and people deciphering the dog whistle can hear them. Everybody else, pff, no idea. But gee, you know, I'd really, I'd really hate for somebody to uh, perpetuate the stereotype that the Jewish lobby has far too much power over the conservative side of politics in the Western world. Yet here they are. Here we are. Ah, let's ban this guy's visa. He says things that we don't like. Congratulations, conservatives. Um, here's David Icke a few years ago when he was here last time in Australia, which he's now been banned from, on one of these morning shows. Look how he absolutely hands these people's asses to them. Like... You would think if you're attacking somebody who's been, you know, criticised and attacked and trolled constantly for 25 years for their views, that you'd come up with a little bit better, a little bit of a, you know, more educated material when you try to take him down on TV. Apparently not. Welcome back to the show. Now, would you pay more than $100 to sit for 12 hours and listen to a man who claims the world is run by lizard <laughs> aliens? Well, that's not all. Former British TV sports presenter David Icke is telling the audience on his Aussie tour that he believes the moon is a gigantic spacecraft and 9-11 was a conspiracy theory. David joins us now. David, good morning to you. Good morning. You know why they're doing it? Because they've got a mind of their own and they've taken the self-respect to look at the detail and, and then think, that makes some sense, mm. I'm going to know more. That's why. They're intelligent people. They being mm. the people who pay all that money to come and see you talk. I talked for 12 hours and mm. all that money, there's a whole team has come across the world to put this on. Mm. And um, I will swap what you earn with what I earn any day of the week. Mm. Okay. <laughs> look at her, Look at this, look at her face. What's the um, go with alien? Well, all that money, you know, <laughs> I'll swap what I earn with you, what you earn any day of the week. And she just sits back and looks at the camera like, fuck. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's getting banned. Because he makes the television hosts that we're supposed to worship look incredible, look as, look as uh, ineffective as they are. Maybe that's why he's getting banned. Who knows? All right. <laughs> it's ridiculous, though. It's insane. If you've got nothing to fear, then uh, don't act like it. Here's one for you. Star Wars-style lightsaber battles could be the next big Olympic sport. I've been waiting for this my whole fucking life, man. Been waiting for this for a long time. I'm ready. I'm ready. Put me in, coach. I'm ready for this. Lightsaber battles have spread from a galaxy far, far away to a country not so far from where you are. Lightsaber dueling officially recognized in France. 
I like that they're tackling the big issues in France. Actually, lightsaber dueling would be a great way to show off your new yellow vest in one of these dimly lit rooms. You can always see where the abs are. Get that saber in there. Look at this. <laughs> Finally, says Ducks Regionus. Exactly. Dun, 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 dun. Lightsaber fighting in the Olympics. France's Fencing Federation has officially recognized lightsaber fighting as a competitive sport, putting the iconic laser sword from the Star Wars movies on a par with Olympic disciplines such as the foil, I don't know what, the EP? <laughs> and saber. Serge or Bailey, the Secretary General of the French Fencing Federation, says that while earlier generations might have been inspired to get into competitive sword fighting by films such as Zorro or Robin Hood, today's youngsters are interested in Star Wars movies. He believes that with today's kids more likely to be excited by video games than a physical sport, that, however, the organisation can inspire young people to get involved in a good thing. Mr. Orbailey told the, government, uh, the Guardian, Cape and sword movies have always had a big impact on our federation and its growth. Lightsaber films have the same impact. Young people want to give it a try. He explained why he thinks it's important. Uh, with young people today, it's a real public health issue. They do not do any sport and only exercise with their thumbs. That is why we're trying to create a bond between our discipline and modern technologies so participating in a sport feels natural. Clearly, current technology doesn't allow for blades composed of pure energy, so, <laughs> so the French lightsaber fighters use plastic blades with internal lighting and sound effects to stimulate me uh, memorable look and sound of the Jedi's signature weapon. The fights take place in a circle marked on the floor. A strike to your opponent's head or body is worth five points. To the arms or legs, three points. On hands, one point. I can't wait. It's about time. Finally recognising the heroes of the Force. Utterly fantastic. All right, one more story here. Did you guys hear about this Lara Logan thing? Let me, let me play this first. Um, and the media everywhere is mostly liberal, not just in the US. But in this country, 85% of journalists are registered Democrats. So that's just a fact, right? No one's registering Democrats when they're rarely a Republican. So... The facts are on the side of what you just stated. Most journalists are, are left or liberal or Democrat or whatever word you want to give it. How do you know you're being lied to? How do you know you're being manipulated? How do you know there's something not right with the coverage? When they simplify it all and there's no gray, there's no gray. Hmm. It's all one way. Well, life isn't like that. If it doesn't match real life, it's probably not something's wrong, right? So, um, for example, you know, all the coverage on Trump all the time is negative. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing, uh, no mitigating policy or event or anything that has happened since he was elected 
that is out there in the medias that you can read about, right? Well, that tells you that's distortion of the way things go in real life. Because although the media has always been, historically, always been left-leaning, we've abandoned um, our, our pretense, or at least the effort, to be objective today. The former executive editor of the New York Times has a book coming out, Jill Abramson, and she says we would do, I don't know, dozens of stories about Trump every single day, and every single one of them was negative. She said... Now... Why would a former CBS presenter be coming out and saying this stuff? Why would she be doing that? Um, one, because it's actually true. And when people say there's no bias, see, this is the thing. When we talk about bias in the media, we're not <clears throat> we're not just saying that uh, you know people hate a certain view or they're you know intentionally harsh on a certain view. It doesn't even have to be that way. It starts in the education process. When you go to the liberal arts college or when you're studying communications or something like that, um, you will be presented with material, reading material of a certain bent. Your professor has a certain bent. And if you don't write, see, marks you get at university are not necessarily an indication of your aptitude or your skill level or your education. It's a, it's a measure of what your professor thinks of your work. That's what you get. Mark, the mark is a reflection on what your professor thinks of your work not anything else. You know, and they will say, oh, it's because, you know, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, but it's still washed through a prism of interpretation. It's like judges at a gymnastics competition, you know, because in a running race, it's easy to award the winner. It's just whoever finishes first. And it doesn't matter how they run, unless you're Ben Johnson and you're pumping steroids into your into your buttocks at every possible opportunity. But aside from that, it doesn't matter how you run, doesn't matter what your style is, as long as you finish in front of everybody else, you win the gold medal. But gymnastics, it's all about artistic interpretation. So one judge will think it's a six and another judge thinks it's a 5.5 because the score isn't what how well you did, the score is what the judge thinks of what you did. So if your particular professor in your, you know, your degree or your class has a particular bent, and if you don't appeal to their biases and their prejudices, then you're going to get a low score. And if you get a low enough score, then you're not going to get the job at the end of it. Right? So it's a, it's a self-perpetuating cycle. It's not surprising at all that 85% of people in the corporate press are registered Democrats. Because that's, that's where they go. That's where they get the jobs. So she's been getting attacked lately for coming out and saying this but you have you noticed they haven't attacked her for what she's actually said they've said oh she's washed up she's has been nobody cares these kinds of ad homs but they haven't actually addressed the 85 percent claim because <laughs> it's true um but i thought i'd just remind people of who uh lara logan is this is from a few years ago um so when all of the corporate press comes out and says how much they hate her now just remember this from a few years ago. And don't say that she hasn't been there and done that. Don't say that she hasn't seen perhaps uh, the other side of the news up close and very personally. The night of February 11th, the Egyptian dictatorship of Hosni Mubarak was falling. More than 100,000 people filled Cairo's Tahrir Square in wild celebration. 
Among those in the crowd was our 60 Minutes colleague. Like maybe, maybe, maybe she had um, difficulty with some of her colleagues only saying things like uh, America is full of racism and hatred and stuff and people in other countries are all wholesome and always victims of, you know, white privilege and shit. Maybe she started having a problem with this kind of direction in modern corporate media. Maybe, perhaps. But let's check this out from a few years ago. Correspondent Laura Logan. Laura, a native of South Africa, is an experienced war reporter, but Tahrir Square became her most hazardous assignment. During the revolution, dozens of reporters were assaulted, often by agents of the regime. The night of the 11th, a mob turned on Laura and her 60 Minutes team and singled her out in a violent sexual assault. Since then, Laura has been recuperating with her husband and two children. Now, she's returning to work, and she's decided to tell the story of what happened just once here on our broadcast. She's speaking out, she tells us, to add her voice to those who confront sexual violence, to break what she calls the code of silence. Laura Logan arrived in Cairo at a moment of triumph for Egypt. She didn't imagine in the hours before midnight she would be fighting for her life. The story will continue in a moment. When we drove from the airport into Cairo that night, moments after Mubarak had stepped down, it was unbelievable. It was like unleashing a champagne cork on Egypt. I'm anxious to get to the square. I got to be there because this is a moment in history that you don't want to miss. What does it look like? It looks like a party. It's a roar of sound because everyone's so excited and they're singing songs of the revolution and they're shouting slogans. And everybody's you know, very physical. So you're being jostled and pushed and sometimes people get closer and my guys are very protective. It's, you know, they want to keep people at bay. It was impossible not to get caught up in the moment, which was a real moment of celebration. Tell me about your team. Our producer um, was Max McClellan. My cameraman was Richard Butler. Baja works for us. We had a local fixer, Baja, whose job was to bridge the divide for us as foreigners. We had uh, two Egyptian drivers with us who were purely there to act as security and bodyguards. And then we had a security person, Ray, who's done security all over the world. This is what these people have been waiting for. They came here day after day. This is about freedom. She reported without a hint of trouble for more than an hour. And what happened then? Our camera battery went down. And we had to stop for a moment. And suddenly, Baha looks at me and says, we've got to get out of here. Baha is not happy here. He's Egyptian, he speaks Arabic, and he can hear what the crowd is saying. Yes. He understands what no one else in the crew understands. That's right. I was told later that um, they were saying, let's take her pants off. And it's like suddenly, before I even know what's happening, I feel hands grabbing my breasts, grabbing my crutch, grabbing me from behind. 
I mean, it, and it, it's, it's not, you know, one person and then it stops. It's like one person and another person and another person. And I know Ray is right there and he's grabbing at me and screaming, Lara, hold on to me, hold on to me. As she was pulled into the frenzy, the camera recorded her shout. Can you see, can you see why um, this woman may have a problem with the current trend of corporate press only presenting one side of the story, say? Can you see why that might be a problem? Hmm? For somebody like like Lara? Just just putting that out there. And I'm screaming, thinking if I scream, if they know they're gonna stop. You know, someone's gonna stop them or they're gonna stop themselves because this is wrong. And it was the opposite. This is the more I screamed, it turned them into it, it turned them into a frenzy. Someone in the crowd Remember. I remember, I remember this vividly. Do you remember after the um, the sex attacks in Cologne in Germany on New Year's Eve a few years ago, ladies and gentlemen? And do you remember how the corporate press came out and said that this was all a trumped-up right-wing conspiracy theory fueled by neo-Nazis and racists? Do you remember that? <clears throat> do you remember that? Took a week. Took a week for the German taxpayer-funded broadcaster ZDF to come out and admit that actually, yes, there was uh, a mass sex attack in Cologne on that night. But and then and then the the news agencies over in Germany had the audacity, ladies and gentlemen, the pure distilled audacity to come out and say, well, we didn't want to report it because we didn't want to give uh, the right wing of politics fuel. literally admitting to everybody that they they chose not to report a major event because it would help quote unquote help the right side of politics make their argument that mass unchecked immigration is wrong and you know leads to potential problems it was a conscious decision And sometimes you have to step back. Remember what, what I was talking about in the start of the show, that movie True Story. Once upon a time, a guy from the New York Times got fired for creating fake news. Now you get promoted. Now you get promoted. And if you're someone like this woman, Lara Logan, who has even, regardless of whether she has this experience or not, if you come out and state the plainly obvious, the bleedingly obvious, you get attacked for it. Reality is not your friend. The facts, the facts, the truth is not your friend anymore when you're in these positions. And then people have, oh, there's no bias. <laughs> there's no bias. You just say everything you hate is fake news and biased. There's no bias. We've seen it all too often. Let's carry on shouted that she was an Israeli, a Jew. Neither is true, but to the mob, it was a match to gasoline. The savage assault turned into a murderous fury. I have one arm on Ray. I've lost the fixer. I've lost the drivers. I've lost everybody except him. And I feel them tearing at my clothing. I think my shirt, my sweater was torn off completely. My shirt was around my neck. Um, I felt the moment that my bra tore, they tore the metal uh, clips of my bra, they tore those open. And I felt that because the air, I felt the air on my chest, on my skin. And uh, 
I felt them tear out. They literally just tore my pants to shreds. And then I felt um, my underwear go. And I remember looking up when, when my clothes gave way, I remember looking up and seeing them taking pictures with their cell phones, the flashes of their cell phone cameras. See that, Jesse? That's not a hoax hate crime. That's not a hoax, Jesse. Jussie. Jussie paints a picture about how it's gonna be. A subway with my attacker and a face full of bleach. Tell them all about those MAGA red hat racist freaks. But Jussie... You can always sell hate crimes to me. That's not a hoax, Jussie. That's real. That happened. That happened. See the difference? One matters. One does not. Got one more story here for you. The world is your stage, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's check this one out. Ricky Rebel. You can say our next guest is a rebel with a cause. That's right. Singer Ricky Rebel made a splash (laughs) on the Grammys. Carpet. Red carpet with his pro-Trump jacket that read, Keep America Great and Trump 2020. And despite some backlash, he is not sorry for his bold fashion choice. He joins us now. Singer Ricky Rebel. Hey, Ricky, good to see you. Why did you do it? Now, I've got to be honest. I don't know Ricky Rebel. I've never heard of Ricky Rebel. He is uh, apparently in like the top 40s and stuff, which is precisely why I have no idea who he is (laughs) before I saw this, before my attention was drawn to this. I'm really only up to date with music produced like between 1930 and 1945. So (laughs) everything else. It's just kind of, yeah, yeah, whatever. Ricky Rebel. But so he went on, um, you know, he did a little red carpet thing at the Grammys. He's wearing the Keep America Great Again jacket. Of course, this now means like, you disgusting, you're endorsing bigotry, blah, blah, blah. I don't think I'm going out on a limb here to say that he's an openly gay guy. (laughs) Right? So that, you know, this presents a problem. Never heard of him. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a couple of people who've never heard of him. I, I didn't hear of him, um, you know, before two days ago. So let's have a little more of Rick. I did it because I wanted to. Because you <laughs> wanted to come out that? of the... Cons- Ladies and gentlemen, do you want to hear that again? Because you, you know how the media likes to try and get you to explain yourself, especially if you're, you know, just if you walk down the road and let's say in an alternate universe, instead of being attacked by imaginary people wearing a red hat, you're just wearing a red hat and you're not attacking any, you know, gay people on the street or anything like that, then you'll be asked, why, why did you do this? Why are you doing this? That's, that's the perfect answer. Someone in the chat said, uh, you know, somebody that we know, a mutual friend is working with this guy. It makes sense because that's exactly <laughs> the way to approach it. That's exactly because isn't this, isn't this the, like the American dream? I'm a foreigner. Isn't this supposed to be, isn't that what America is all about? Freedom, baby, freedom. Isn't that what it's about? It's not about explaining that you're wearing a certain jacket that, you know, gets people upset who are, you know, on borderline insane people in the press who are, it's disgusting, it's bigger than homophobic and stuff. Fuck those people. 
That's not what America's about. Tell me if I'm, I might be wrong. Again, I'm an outsider looking in. I, I didn't think that's what America was about. I thought America was, I did it because I felt like it. Bravo. That's all you need to say. I'm not apologizing. Fuck you. Yes, exactly. That's how you deal. Because I wanted to. Because I wanted to. Because you <laughs> wanted to come out of the conservative love- closet. Yeah, I love Trump and I love this country. And I've had to come out of the closet twice. And I refuse to stay in the closet. The little snap. Did you see the little snap on the finger there? The zhushing? Fantastic. (laughs) Uh, This is um, a video he posted on his YouTube. Hi, my name is Ricky Rebel, and I'm a Billboard Top 40 recording artist. And I voted for Trump. He's the alpha. He's the new alpha. He's the alpha. I wanted to make a statement about what it means to be an alpha. I wrote a new album called The New Alpha, and I wanted to think about who represents that alpha energy. And Donald Trump, to me, represents alpha energy, and he also makes me want to be my own alpha. I'm not sorry for anything. I do not apologize for <laughs> for voting for who I wanted to vote for. We live in the United States of America. Freedom, that's what it's all about. You're Bravo! Now, see, granted, this isn't, he's not my style, you know. It's not my kind of music. <clears throat> you know, the, the really sort of glitzy, um, you know, busy jackets and the sunglasses and stuff. It's not, I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not going out on a limb here to say, it's not necessarily the kind of fashion that I, you know, most associate myself with, put it that way. But I don't care. I don't care. Do whatever the hell you want. If, you know, if you want to wear something that's flash and debonair, if you want to wear something that makes you look like a peasant, if you want to wear something that's cringe, if you want to wear something that's way over the top, who gives a fuck? I don't care. Do whatever the hell you want. Wear the jacket. Exactly. I'm not sorry. That's, that's, see how easy it is. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry for anything. This is America. I can vote for whoever I want to vote for. That's what it's all about. And, and, you know, corporate press jaws hit the floor to make a collective thud that sounded like a volcano erupting. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a flamboyant gay guy who likes Trump that we can't accuse of pedophilia. What are we going to do now? Free to vote whoever you want to, regardless of your skin color, your hair color, your height, or your sexuality. Those things have nothing to do with it. I'm a proud American, and I love this country for everything it has given me. My parents are Republican, and they have always accepted me for who I am. It is my time to step up and be a voice for the millions of Americans who have felt like they've been put into the closet. I love the writing in that. The millions of Americans who felt like they've been put into the closet. Let's see, that's that's a great that's a great thing for this guy. Whoever wrote that script, I don't know if he wrote it or he had a little help, but that's fantastic writing. So let's juxtapose that. So this guy's obviously, you know, promoting hatred and bigotry and stuff. He's a gay guy using fashion in the music industry, right? Here's an article for you. So while, you know, some people are promoting that, other people are promoting other things, and that's fine. On CNN, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Phillip, the trans-disabled model taking on a $2 trillion industry. And there's Aaron. Aaron Phillip's life has been transformed by becoming the first black trans-disabled model to sign for a major agency. 
Since joining the renowned Elite Model Management last September, the 17-year-old has shot editorial for ID Magazine and been named in Teen Vogue's 21 Under 21, among much else. This isn't to say that she's struggled to forge her own opportunities. Philip had already modelled for the likes of ASOS and H&M through her own volition, but the backing of an agency has opened access to an industry ill-equipped to meet the needs of a wheelchair user. I freelanced for a year and I was doing jobs myself, trying to navigate a career on my own. Uh, she explained on a video call from her home in the Bronx, sometimes I have to coordinate photo shoots myself with the people around me and find people to assist me or help me on set. It was a lot of back and forth. There's the young model there. Born with cerebral palsy and identifying as a gender non-conforming trans woman, Philip is an unprecedented force in mainstream fashion. A force in mainstream fashion. Uh, this though, by the way, this here, this is this is hateful and bigoted, and you need to apologise. I'm not sorry for anything. I see you need to apologise for this. This is disgusting, bigoted behaviour. Um. Aaron Phillip is a force in mainstream fashion. <clears throat> Although she consistently rejects the activist label, the Antigua-born model is nonetheless vocal about her high expectations for the industry. There's still a great lack of visibility and attention towards people with disabilities in fashion. As of right now, I'm one of two physically disabled models in the entire industry. It shouldn't be the responsibility of anyone who is marginalised to amplify their voice when there are so many voices who can amplify it for them, she added. But it's just the way of getting to where you need to be, so I'll do it. And hopefully I'll do it so other girls in my position don't have to. They can just live and do their jobs. Her self-professed dream of uh, being a runway model suffered a setback last year when an opportunity to appear at New York Fashion Week reportedly fell through, get this, to, due to a, a lack of wheelchair access. I shit you not. An appearance at a New York Fashion Week fell through because there was no wheelchair access. Right. What, we, we, we seriously couldn't? Get this person in the building without a wheelchair ramp? Come on. Couldn't lift the wheelchair up? How hard would it be? Come on, I'll carry the wheelchair. Let's get two guys on this wheelchair. Carry it up the stairs. Nope. Couldn't appear at Fashion Fashion Week last year. No wheelchair access. Okay. But the question I pose to you. Now, I don't, again, freedom, baby. I don't have anything against this person doing becoming a fashion model. That's fine. I do think, however, if at some point, in, you know, where people start to get irritated, not even irritated, where people are sceptical is when it starts to turn into, instead of it being a story about Aaron Phillip becoming a model, a runway model, and, you know, being a trans non-conforming gender activist or whatever model, it will transmorph, transmorph from that into if you don't celebrate it, then you are a bigot. You are hateful. You are a racist. You're a you're a homophobe, a genderphobe, and stuff. That's where people get the shits. Nobody's going to care if Aaron Phillip is wheeling up and down the runway in a wheelchair. Nobody. Nobody's going to attack you. Nobody's going to get angry. Nobody's going to say this isn't right. People really most most people in the world don't care about the fashion industry generally. 
I tend to think that the fashion industry exists only to give people who would be otherwise, you know, stealing handbags from little old ladies on the street a job to do. Like, that's the only reason for the fashion industry to exist is to give people who are otherwise unemployable something to do so they don't resort to a life of crime. Because really, what other use is there for it? You know, I can tape models' breasts together. Well done. Would you like to be head of sales? Doesn't happen. So, but when it transforms into, well, you need to celebrate it, otherwise you're going to be some kind of bigot. But then that's why I'm that's why I'm bringing up the juxtaposition here. Here you have a gay artist, and his crime is wearing a Keep America Great Trump jacket. And people say, oh, it's awful. You can't do that. It's disgusting behavior, right? You're automatically a bigot. The only way to prove that you're not a bigot here is to attack it. So to prove you're not a bigot with the, you know, non-gender conforming wheelchair model, you have to celebrate it. To prove you're not a bigot with this guy, you have to attack it. And people wonder, you know, why why our faith in... People wonder, like, look at the title of today's show. The world is a staged attack. It's all garbage. There is no reality. Everything is a manufactured prism designed to keep you at each other's throats at all possible times. All right. Let's get to your Twitter stuff. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for joining us. Favorite part of the night. Let's refresh just in case there was any late entries. Let's see what we got here. Oh, there is a few late ones. Um, Chicago Presser, I think we did this already. Yeah, we already did this. Thank you, Ebby Sue, but we already did the police chief. Google apologizes for hidden nest. What do we got here? For hidden nest secure microphone dilemma. Oh, no, not a hidden microphone. Those damn conspiracy theorists, right, they were right again. They were right about Jussie and they were right about this, those freaks. Customers are not happy with Google. The company is under fire after it forgot to tell Nest Secure users about a hidden microphone built into the security system. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? On Tuesday, Google apologized for the security issue. That was very posh. That was unintentionally posh. Google apologized for the security issue and said that the built-in microphone was supposed to be disclosed in Nets, uh, Nest's, Nest Secure's product specifications. <clears throat> the on-device microphone was never intended to be a secret and should have been listed in the tech specs, but it wasn't. That was an error on our part. Let's have a look. What does Nest do exactly? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> Earlier this month, Google announced that Nest Secure, its home security and alarm system, would receive an update. Nest Secure users would be able to use Google Assistant, Google's virtual assistant technology with their devices. The only issue was that Nest Secure customers had no idea about the built-in microphone that was installed into the Nest Guard, Nest Secure's alarm keypad motion sensor component. According to Google, though, the Nest Secure microphone, quote, has never been on and is only activated when users specifically enable the option. Yes, of course. It's never. No, look here. Come on. Don't be ridiculous. Just because it has a microphone installed that we didn't tell you about, it's never on. 
<laughs> like all of these people go, well, Google just lied to me, but phew, thank God they're telling the truth now. Thank God they're telling the truth now about the hidden secret microphone that they didn't want me to know about. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we just forgot. We forgot to tell you. This company, the biggest company on the face of the earth, just forgot to tell you about a microphone. Yes. It was an oversight. Somebody fucked up. You know, we, we just have one guy who does the specs and he just, he went out to, for a coffee break and somebody accidentally picked up the copy and put it into the editor and then next thing you know, it's all over the world. That's just how it went down. It's just an oversight. I have some Nest cameras to keep an eye on my employees. Well, there you go. The, cap- the company added to the microphone to the Nest Guard to enhance the device's security features in the future. Yes, but not now. Not now. We put a microphone in it specifically so we don't have to use it. <laughs> yes, Google. Everyone believed you. <clears throat> FDA discourages people against young blood infusions. Oh, no. But the FDA says uh, people are pumping young blood into their bodies to reverse aging, but the FDA says don't do it. Yeah, the FDA says a lot of things. In these bits, don't do it because then if you, if everybody's doing it, then no, but there's not going to be any blood left for the rich people. What are you doing? <laughs> you poor people, stop doing it. And give blood, by the way. Everybody give blood. Clinics say the treatment can reverse aging and memory loss, but the FDA warns these claims are unproven. The Food and Drug Administration, who never ever lies about anything, is discouraging people from being infused with young blood. It's just surreal that we're even talking about this shit. (laughs) A procedure that's becoming increasingly common, but hasn't been proven to have medical benefits. Well, the problem is, first you must sacrifice the person who contains the young blood. That's how you get the benefits. That's how you get the medical benefits. When you sacrifice the person, the, the capsule of the young blood to your god Baal, then you'll, then you'll have a spring in your step. So I've been told. The procedure works like it sounds. People are infused with blood plasma donated from young people. Don- quote, unquote, donated. <laughs> well, wow, donated, you know. Let's not get bogged down in specifics here. Some clinics claim the procedure works like a fountain of youth to reverse aging and memory loss or even treat diseases like dementia, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, heart disease, or post-traumatic stress disorder. Companies are typically trying to charge thousands of dollars for the treatments that concerns the FDA, which they say, (laughs) I bet it concerns the FDA because they're not getting drugs from them anymore, which says these infusions are unproven and not guided by evidence from adequate and well-controlled trials. Simply infusing plasma is not a benign intervention and should not be used in such cavalier fashion. Let's see the startups who want to offer transfusions from teens, hopefully virgins. It's not going to be worth any money if they aren't virgin. If it's not virgin blood, I don't want to know about it. Is this going to play or what? Damn pop-ups. Why is it all the mainstream media websites that have the most fucking pop-ups? I thought that was something that happened on, you know, shitty little websites. Apparently not. We're going to get a video anytime today? There we go. Startup has a hundred customers. 
adults under 25 can donate. They said under 25. How young can they be? New treatments must undergo numerous studies to demonstrate whether they're safe and effective. The FDA reviews, scrutinizes the data before determining whether treatments can enter the marketplace. <clears throat> well, you know what? I'm kind of like, I take a Milton Friedman-esque view to um, the pharmaceutical industry. If people are taking a lot of a medication, I don't think you need all this regulation. If people are taking a lot of medication and it's causing people to die, then the market will decide. If, if you're coming up with a pill that's, that you say cures cancer, but it instead turns people who ingest it into flesh-eating zombies, then your, your product isn't going to last very long on the shelf. Like, there's going to be reports written about it and stuff. The way that the FDA keeps drugs in limbo for, you know, 10, 20 years sometimes adds ridiculous amounts of regulations to the process and thus makes it unaffordable for people when it actually does come to market is, a, is an absolute fucking disgrace. An absolute disgrace. Trust me, if, you, if you're coming up with a pill that, you know, says you, you cures the common cold, for example, and people start dying, you don't have to worry about the government stopping people from taking it. You know, people will stop taking it just because their friends are dying when they take it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Rape prevention tips. Okay. <laughs> Rape prevention tips. Don't put drugs in women's drinks. When you see a woman walking by herself... What the hell? <laughs> oh, it's rape prevention for men. Gotcha. When you see a woman walking by herself, leave her alone. If you pull over to help a woman whose car is broken down, remember not to rape her. That's a good tip. If you are in a... God, you know, that's, that's a tricky one. Sometimes people get caught with that one. If you are in an elevator and a woman gets in, don't rape her. Good advice. Or at least hit the stop button first. It would be very awkward if your co-workers caught you mid-rape. When you encounter a woman who is asleep, the safest course of action is to not rape her. Never creep into a woman's home through an unlocked door or window or spring out at her from between parked cars or rape her. Remember, go to the laundry women people go to the laundry room to do their laundry. Do not molest attempt to molest someone who is alone in the laundry room. Ah, but that's a that's a great porno set. What are you talking about? Use the buddy system. If it is inconvenient for you to stop yourself from raping women, ask a trusted friend to accompany you at all times. Carry a rape whistle that if you find you are about to rape someone, blow the whistle until someone comes to stop you. Don't forget, honesty is the best policy. When asking a woman out on a date, don't pretend that you are interested in her as a person. Tell her straight up that you expect to be raping her later. If you don't communicate your intentions, the woman may take it as a sign that you do not plan to rape her and that would not be adequate. Thank you for that. Uh, Jesus, John Wayne was straight up a piece of shit. Playboy interview in 1971. Yes, I heard about this. What kind of films do you consider perverted? Easy Rider, Midnight Cowboy, that kind of thing. Wouldn't you say that wonderful love of those two men in Midnight, Midnight Cowboy, a story of two fags, qualifies? But don't get me wrong. As far as a man and a woman is concerned, I'm awfully happy there's a thing called sex. It's an extra something God gave us. I see no reason why... It shouldn't be in pictures. Healthy, sex, lusty sex is wonderful. Angela Davis claims that there are those who would revoke her teaching credentials on ideological grounds are actually discriminating against her because she's black. Do you think there's any truth to that? John Wayne said in response. With a lot of blacks, there's quite a bit of resentment along with their descent and possibly rightfully so. 
but we can't all of a sudden get down on our knees and turn everything over to the leadership of the blacks. I believe in white supremacy until the blacks are educated to a point of responsibility. I don't believe in giving authority and positions of leadership and judgment to irresponsible people. I know this created a lot of outrage, um, but I, I, I was actually buoyed by the outrage. I thought this is a wonderful story because in a week where we are discussing fake hate crimes, where you know people are actually having to go back to interviews in Playboy magazines, which apparently objectify women. We've forgotten about that. Now we're actually promoting Playboy from the 1970s, which I thought was very sexist. I, this was sexist two weeks ago. Now it's great. It's good to go. But we're actually having to go back, you know, 50 years to find something that's offensive and racist from dead people in magazines where women, you know, are naked for the enjoyment of the reader. I was like, wow, this is this is where we're at with hate crimes now. Fantastic. Isn't it great news? Isn't it great news? We're having to dig up hate crimes from 50 years ago. Should be happy. We got nothing. We got nothing now. Highgate Cemetery. Vandals back at Mark's Memorial, Highgate Cemetery. Paint, uh, red paint this time, plus the marble tablet smashed up. Senseless, stupid, ignorant. Whatever you think about Marx's legacy, this is not the way to make a point. Oh, what? Yeah, they should just tear it down. <laughs> they should just tear it down like they do in Virginia. Don't, don't, don't soil it with red spray paint. Tear it down. I thought we loved tearing down um, statues. I thought that was a great way to erase history. Apparently not. Apparently not. Keep Marx, keep Marx a statue again. Tear down the Confederate generals. Ass man strikes back. Reminds me of that Seinfeld episode. Denied license plate. Saskatchewan. Man emblazons offensive last name on tailgate. I'm not buying. All oh, right. Fucking. Oh, come on. I can read around it. That's fine. The Melville man had an oversized decal designed to replicate the plate in question. Well, I just wanted to go big. The ass man. After Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, why can't I say that? Government insurance denied his latest request for an ass man vanity license plate. The Melville man had an oversized decal designed to replicate the plate in question and then placed the decal on the back of his uh, Dodge Ram pickup truck. Well done, sir. Well done, sir. No, I'm afraid we can't let you have ass man. That is offensive. Oh, yeah, fucking watch this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly the right approach. Exactly the way to go about it. It's like, oh, okay, you don't want me to have an ass man number plate? No problem. He, he was probably whistled as he walked out of the DMV. No problem. <laughs> as he was calling up the, you know, the local printer. Hey, remember that ass man thing I was telling you about? Engage. Let's do it. Ass man, pronounced Osman, said he appealed to SJI's, uh, SGI's decision on Tuesday and received a message around four hours later that his request had once again been rejected. Then the railroad worker took action. I could have got a plate for the front, but I really wanted a vanity plate on the back of my truck. See, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of a, a sarcastic ass and I just wanted to go big. Excellent stuff, young man. The best way, the best way to deal with government bureaucracies trying to stifle your freedom. Go around them. 
proudly proudly portray your ass man on the back of your truck. Katy Perry is removing shoes from shelves following blackface. Oh, another blackface? Really? All right. All right. Engage Operation Arseman. Another day, another blackface scandal in the fashion industry. You don't say. Let's have a little look here. So I just got to my dressing room and found this actual olive branch. This means so much to me. Looks like another folks hate crime, doesn't it? TMZ first reported that the singer would be removing the Aura face block heel and the Rue face slip-on loafers from retailers like Dillard's and Walmart after shoppers complained of the black colorway's resemblance to blackface. So it's not even blackface. It looks like blackface. God help us. God help us. <laughs> Seems to be the wrong video. A representative to Perry issued the following statement to InStyle on behalf of the singer and Global Brands Group. The Rue and the Aura were part of a collection that was released last summer in nine different colorways and envisioned as a nod to modern art and surrealism. Well, I already know it's fucking terrible then. If it's about modern art and surrealism, it's awful. Well, it's, oh, okay. Okay, these are the shoes. They resemble blackface. They've got to be done away with... <laughs> fucking maniacs. You maniacs. Again, if people want to buy these shoes and walk... No way in hell you'd see me paying $139 for, for this. But, <laughs> obviously. But if people want to walk around in their shoes, who cares? Who gives a fuck? Katy Perry blackface shoe to be pulled from shelves. <laughs> Just over it. It's all shit. It's all drummed up bullshit. All the identity politics stuff needs to go bye-bye. I don't care who's offended anymore. Couldn't care less. Oh, oh okay. You're offended by, by a shoe with a face on it that's in black leather? You're a fucking idiot. Get away. Go away. That's that's gonna be the that's gonna be the response from now on. Oh what? You're you're really deeply offended by a shoe with a face on it? You're a fucking moron. Go jump in a river. See you later. Take your shoes. Here, here take your shoes with you. <laughs> that's it. End of story. Harlem-based designer Dapper Dan. He should have known better. He's a racist. What an evil racist bigot from Harlem. Who had a, co a collaboration with the Italian design house, issued his own statement in which he pled to hold Gucci's team accountable for their actions. I am a black man before I am a brand, he said. <laughs> there cannot be inclusivity without accountability. I will hold everyone accountable, acting like it's the biggest crime of the fucking century. Let the market decide. Let the market decide. Oh, you know what? If people don't get outraged about, 
he, I guess if people don't get have something to be outraged by, they'll get they'll start getting outraged about real things, and we can't have that. So you know what? I'm I'm probably happy to have these um, intellectual midgets preoccupied by shoes that they find offensive. Good, keeps them out of the way of the important stuff. Here, here, go play with a shoe that you hate. Run along, sport. Vatican pro, uh, priest deathbed confession: We sexually abuse deaf mute boys as a game. <laughs> Can we go back to the blackface shoe article, please? Ora che accompagnavano i bambini in chiesa. Sì. Bellivie de Grecia vedeva il gruppo e c'era la suora col gruppo. Sì. E uno alla volta via confessarsi. Finito. Dopo l'altro d'altro. I like this from OC Mike. It was a trick to discontinue ugly shoe line that wasn't selling while Virtue signaling for other sales. That's very... You could be right on the money there. That is dark side thinking. I like that. I like that. You could be right on the money. That's just... You know what? It's just crazy enough to work. The nuns have a collection of deaf and subnormal children from 5, 6 up to 15. The only joke that I made was to a guy that I touched where I was not allowed to. It was a child who always came to see me in the room because he was cuddly. It was cold and I told him, come to my room because it's cold outside. He, come to my room because it's cold outside. Ah, oh, damn it. I thought we saved that song from the liberal outrage machine. He said to a small child, come to my room, it's cold outside. Literally, baby, it's cold outside. You dirty fucking priest. Thanks for ruining another Christmas classic, you ass. Okay. What do we got here? Tom Chatelet works with Ricky Rebel. Yes. Apparently he does. We went we went over Ricky. Thank you. Kimmy Jong-un. Oh no. Tom Tom sent something in from MIT Review, which is gonna which is gonna give everybody nightmares because it usually does. Okay. <laughs> China's CRISPR twins might have had their brains inadvertently enhanced. Ah, oh, it was all an accident. <laughs> it was all an accident. Do you remember when we did the China, the China guy? You know, China. The Chinese government said they came out and put a stop to it, but he's already done all the experiments anyway. So what's the difference? It was a PR stunt. He's already done the, you know, the test tube baby, genetically engineered baby. So they said, "Oh, we're going to put a stop to his research," but he'd already given, he'd already birthed one, so it's over. New research suggests that a controversial gene en- uh, editing experiment to make children resistant to HIV may have also enhanced their ability to learn and form memories. Just what we need, more. Just what we need, don't we? Chinese. Now we have genetically mo- modified Chinese people who are really good at calculus. Going to be invading our schools anytime now making us all look stupid. Like, they're already good at math. Do we need to add to the problem? The brains of two genetically edited girls born in China last year may have been changed in ways that enhance cognition and memory, scientists say. The twins named Lulu and Nana reportedly had their genes modified before birth by a Chinese scientific team using the new editing tool CRISPR. The goal was to make the girls immune to infection by HIV and the virus that causes AIDS. Now new research shows that the same alteration introduced into the girl's DNA, deletion of a gene called CCR5, not not fans of Creedence Clearwater Revival, 
not only makes mice smarter, but also improves human brain recovery after stroke and could be linked to greater success in school. The answer, so they're going to have superhuman brains now. Great. The answer is yes, likely it did affect their brains, says Dr. Alcino J. Silva, a neurobiologist at the University of California, whose lab uncovered a new major role for the CCR5 gene in memory and the brain's ability to form new connections. The simplest interpretation is that those mutations will probably have an impact on cognitive function in the twins. He says the exact effort on uh, the exact effect on the girl's cognition is impossible to predict, and that is why it should not be done. There you go. Ultra ultra smart Chinese immigrants coming your way, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Just gets better and better. What are you worried about? What are you worried about? going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Go back to bed. It's all good. Uh, Motti, I don't have Facebook, my dear, so I can't look that one up. Sorry. Barack Obama talks about toxic masculinity and being a man. Okay. <laughs> Let's have a look at Barack. Oh, really? All right. Tonight, a political oh, powerhouse hey, and a Bay Area basketball star all no under one, one roof. Irish Former President Barack Obama Barack and Steph Curry Obama. teamed up for the My Brother's Keeper Alliance, which was put on by the Obama Foundation. Chris and Ayers has more on Everybody's got a foundation these days. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Michelle's husband. Former President Barack Obama taking the stage in Oakland tonight with Warriors star Stephen Curry before hundreds of young men and boys as part of the My Brother's Keeper Alliance, an initiative he launched as president. The purpose of this summit was, number one, to say five years after this started, we're not going anywhere. Now, it's a nonprofit with chapters across the nation chapters. designed to uplift young boys. You know who else had chapters, don't you? The KKK. Boys and men through the power of mentorship. You are the ones who are going to make a difference and make an impact. This is not going to be me. It's going to be you. Anthony Robles, one of the young men, handpicked. You really do you want the Barack Obama Irish song again? <laughs> are you sure? to sit on stage with Obama. I was really grateful and humbled by um, the opportunity to, to be here. But he and his colleagues left wanting to hear something more meaningful from Obama. I think there are some questions and tougher questions that need to be asked um, on issues of undocumented youth. Hopefully we can dig into more issues that are really like more bigger than just mentorship. The town hall today did tackle some wide-ranging issues. On stage with Obama, Stephen Curry talked about his own insecurities as a young man. Just in life in general, self-confidence was something that wasn't always natural for me. Singer John Legend played live. That's too many of you crying. But also led a discussion with the mothers of Oscar Grant, Trayvon Martin, and Jordan Davis, all killed by gun violence. It's not about Trayvon anymore. It's about everybody that's in here, the young men that's in here. Young people like Denari, who said the experience will stick with him. I'll never forget because it's like my first time actually seeing them in person. <laughs> that's probably not the reason that she was hoping it would stick with you, young man. I got to see Steph Curry in person. It was it was an amazing transformative experience. In conversation with NBA star Steph Curry, Obama spoke about the need to create spaces where young men of color and young men generally, but of color first and foremost, of course, don't feel as if 
don't feel as if to be respected, they have to act a certain way. What kind of what kind of benign backwards logic is that? What? Don't feel as if to be respected, they have to act a certain way. So he, are you saying that you don't have to act a certain way in order to be respected by people? So what? What if I want to walk around and sh- and shit in a boot and wear it on my head, and you know put pom poms over my genitals and you know dance around in the street uttering crazy backwards speaking Bible passages or something? Can I? Do I have the right to then turn around to someone and say, "Hey, you need to fucking respect me, man. Why don't you treat me with some respect?" What a, what an idiotic thing to say. Oh, it's important that young men don't feel like they have to act a certain way in order to be respected. That's the problem. People think that they are deserving of respect regardless of what they do or what they say or how they act. That's a problem. That's that's the problem right there. That's the problem in a nutshell. Thinking you're entitled to respect in, instead of acting in a respectable fashion. I mean, if that's what you're after, that's what you're after. I don't necessarily care if people respect me. I I actually prefer it if they don't, because then I can uh, shit in a boot, wear it on my head and put pom-poms over my genitals and just, you know, (laughs) then I won't have to live up to any kind of expectation of respect. I much prefer it that way. Uh, By popular demand, by popular, I mean one person asked for it. Here you go. Here's the Barack Obama Irish song. All respect for the Irishman. It's a respectful song. Lucky I don't have to say certain things in order to be respected. Barack will respect me anyway. Play this song by the Corrigan Brothers. Barack's going to respect me because I don't have to act a certain way to be respected. One Irish fucker. In Monaco town, the greatest drama for our famous president, Barack Obama. Turn it, 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 turn it
What's that bitch change? A great man of God He proved that Barrett Was from the outside They came by bus They came by car Celebrate thy wrath In Ollie Hayes Bar By popular demand, the Barack Obama Irish song. Once again, there was a great comment in the chat. I think it was Chief Tor who said it. Um, the funny part about that whole "you don't have to act a certain way to be respected" thing, but they are literally telling boys how to act. So they're saying you need to act. You know, d- r- like remember toxic masculinity, right? So don't be aggressive. Don't don't act with toxic masculinity. That's bad. But then in the same breath, saying, "Well, it doesn't matter how you act. You deserve respect." It's like what? <laughs> I mean, these people these people should be working in pretzel stores, not giving you're not giving their thoughts on gender and society. What was the dumbest thing a feminist or social justice warrior ever said to you? Um the General Eaton sent this one through. He said the top answer on this page we need to look at. Is this is this the top answer? Okay. <clears throat> The other day I was going back home from school and saw a group of women all holding grocery bags and couldn't open the apartment door since their hands were full. Deciding to turn into Mr. Nice Guy then, I went to open the door for them and for them to go in. What a gentleman. Instead of getting the fuck in and pretending like we've never met each other until we saw each other in the elevator like two minutes later, they just glared at me. I figured that I probably wasn't holding the door wide enough for them and their bags, so I pulled on it to give them a larger entry. Looking like she'd just seen a puppy get choked to death, the chick who I assume was the leader of this vagina gang slowly said to me, what the fuck are you doing? Um, holding the door open, Einstein. Another chick gasped. He's even mansplaining. <laughs> Shit. I just realised that I was in a shaky, I was in shaky drama queen territory. I had no idea what to do. Go in and leave them. Inside, outside or wait holding the door until their hands got heavy and they got the ever-loving fuck in. But no, hoes wanted to keep the woman spreading their opinions on my poor, fragile to public confrontation ass. Do you think that us women are capable... Do you not think that us women are capable of holding a door open by ourselves? Yes, actually, I can see the egg cartons in those bags. So the fuck what? Bitch, what the fuck do you want? Me to go in or hold it open? Okay, my response to this might not have been the nicest out there, but this is how I normally talk, so it wasn't especially for them. I looked at her shirt, proud social justice warrior, feminism is the future. Holy shit, I was in even hotter ground than I thought. Are you looking at my breasts? Are you looking at my breasts? (laughs) Fuck, I mean, no. Uh, uh, Fuck, I was just reading your shirt. She was going to start yelling, sexual harassment, you sexist pig, it's raping me. I could feel it. 
Thinking quickly, I smiled and said, nah, really, you don't have anything to worry about. There's nothing there. Here, hold the door open for yourselves, you lovely bundle of independent whore women. Tschüss. Tschüss is German for bye. Then I left the bitches outside where they spent nearly 10 minutes trying to open the door for themselves. Lesson learned, folks. Don't hold doors open for people who can't get open by themselves, especially if they're SJW women in New York. Oh, and don't click all the buttons on the elevator at once just to piss the other person in them off because that'll make the elevator stuck and you'll end up in a claustrophobic hellhole with said other person for three hours wishing you weren't such an asshole or just took the stairs instead. There you go. A nice, nice little piece of advice there from Leandro Alexandrich, a writer on the deep web. Thank you for that, General. Eric the Warrior from Ducks Regionist, who's a great contributor. Military MAGA hat chanting USA, USA back in 1942. (laughs) USA. Excellent. Where are we? If we only took the Second Amendment seriously and gave them as a birthday present at two or three, oh, like a gun, yeah, absolutely. My sister asks, I'll blow the fuck out. I'll dust your pops. I'm serious. And for your information, no, this isn't about the no treats before bed debacle last week. Jerk. <laughs> Let's see what this tweet is. Even even this young child protects her infant sister. Powerful. Where did the adults go astray? Let's have a look. And then you want me to take the baby? No. Nope. Awesome. <laughs> Isn't that adorable? Can I, I'm sorry. Can I take her? I'm sorry. Even this kid can protect the baby, but the adults can't. Oh, that's ducky. Henley, you want us to take her? Want me to lift her out now? No. No, you want her in there? Wanna go for a ride? Yeah, you gonna take care of your sister? Okay. Adorable. You got her, right? Are you wearing your seatbelt? <laughs> James okay. is in his third phone. Poppy Lane says, "You know James R is in his third on his third phone." Yeah, of course, because he's the Ryan Seacrest of Periscope, so he needs to be in all the scopes all the time. <laughs> That's his mo to be everywhere. Like oxygen. Look at that eye lock. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was vicious. Tom Chatelaide, ladies and gentlemen, the Rainbow Warrior. Magdalene Rose beautifully exposes AOC's Achilles heel on A Voice News. This is how to properly inform the public and combat the buzz around AOC and the Green New Deal. Let's have a look. Let's see what Tom sent us. Yeah, obviously, I've never heard of Ricky Rebel. <laughs> listen to what I listen to. <laughs> statues. Alright, let's see what Magdalene's got to say. Welcome back to America's Voice Live. I'm Amanda Head with Kyle Olsen. America's Voice Live has definitely gone for a different feel with their um, bumper music, haven't they? 
most most news places like you know welcome back to America's voice news they've they've gone for the death metal version nice hardcore news welcome back to America's voice live I'm Amanda head with Kyle Olson and we'd like to welcome to the show Magdalene Rose uh, we've had her on before she's wonderful she is a conservative social media vlogger and influencer and she has done some digging regarding Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the brains behind her because let's face it the brains within her uh, don't really function properly but Magdalene welcome to the show thank you so much for having me our pleasure okay so so give us an idea of what you have found regarding uh, you know the the ideas behind what she is proposing especially in the Green New Deal her connection to Bernie Sanders campaign which is not really any surprise because they are both very socialist uh, but tell us what you found <laughs> James loved that bumper <laughs> sure I found that not only did she not really want to do this job she didn't seek to become a congresswoman the person behind her is her chief of staff Sakit Chakabarty and his organization Justice Democrat is what's responsible for her rise. He is the one who originally spoke about the Green New Deal in 2016. And what's really interesting about him is he has held several high-profile tech jobs He's one of the founding engineers for Stripe. He went to Harvard Computer School. He was an intern at Apple. And in 2016, he was the head of technology for Bernie Sanders and worked to secure him primary wins. So when Bernie Sanders lost Sakit, there's a lot of um, articles that say he was depressed. He didn't know what to do. He founded Brand New Congress. And um, Ocasio-Cortez's brother actually nominated her to Brand New Congress, which was an organization that sought to replace what they thought of as stagnant Democrats. Her brother, who is a socialist, who's very proud of that, um, nominated her for this organization when she was a bartender, very similar to how families and friends can nominate girls on The Bachelor to date The Bachelor. And Sakit went and saw her and convinced her to stop bartending, basically by promising her this you know, great future that she doesn't really have now. I mean, she's sort of daily the laughingstock of America. And her ideas, while she might actually be a liberal, in college she was a supporter of William F. Buckley. She was a fan of capitalism. She's very charitable. So Sakit invented her with Corbin Trent, who's the spokesperson of Justice Democrats. And her her role really is to reintroduce Bernie Sanders' ideas that he gave in 2016 with an injection of identity politics and playing to the media narrative of diversity and all of that. So that I think personally Bernie Sanders can stay relevant and his ideas can flourish because he's not really a viable person anymore to transfer them. She's good, isn't so she? So you're saying that he basically recruited her to run as, and she is sort of the, the, what would you say, the most famous person of the uh, the Justice Democrats? Yes, he recruited her to run after her brother nominated her to this job, and he <laughs> not only did he recruit her, he recruited ten other people in district that were winnable, and all of the and the other ten <laughs> lost. So actually, maybe maybe we can get out of this um, Acacia Cortez thing relatively cheaply if we just hand her a rose. He's not as successful in this. By the way, Magdalene Rose, there you go. Here's your rose. Oh, you didn't want this kind of rose, did you? No, 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 no. This rose has thorns, bitch. 
as people in liberal circles think he is. He lost his other 10 races. And the only reason he won this one was because Crowley was so focused on the House leadership races that he didn't listen to anyone who told him he had a primary challenge. He sent representatives to debate her. And because it's not a majority white district, they really identified with her and they saw him as being elitist. So Sakit sort of got a gift in Crowley's incompetence. But not only is this woman a just a mouthpiece, she's not somebody who even once presented with the opportunity actually wanted to do it. He had to convince her to run. He had to explain to her that he was going to make sure to take care. Christy Christie says, isn't she on InfoWars? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think I've seen her on InfoWars. She might have been, though. I don't watch InfoWars every day, so she might have been. Deborah says, I saw her on Mike Closer the other night. She is brilliant. Oh, there you go. There you go. Kim says, um, <laughs> if you did not get a rose, take a minute to say goodbye to your, say, to walk around and say your goodbyes. The Again, I'm not a big fan of those kinds of shows, but on the odd occasion where I've strolled through the lounge room and my baby bride is watching those kinds of shows, I have noticed the um, the goodbye ceremonies and there's like tears and stuff. And then sometimes they would have met like three days earlier. You know what I mean? They meet They meet all these people that they're literally in competition with to have sex with The Bachelor, right? So, like, late at night in your room, if you're one of the bachelorettes, you're like, you know, if you're one of the female, one of the bevy of, you know, in the stable of fillies trying to mount the stallion or have the stallion mount you, the rest of your time, you hate these other women, you know? I once heard from a, uh, I forget what kind of psychologist it was, maybe in like an evolutionary biologist, psychologist, I don't know, someone with a lot of fucking letters after his name. And he was saying that... um Women, when they dress up, I think I've said this before, women, when they dress up, they're not doing it to attract men. They're doing it to look better than the other women. Now, obviously, to look better than the other women women is to attract the males, but their primary focus is not to attract the males. Their primary focus is to look better than the other women, which I always thought was interesting. Tom, welcome back. Uh, this is your thing. So we just came up with a, a tagline for Magdalene Rose because she compared... Uh, AOC's career to an episode of The Bachelor. So all we have to do is hand AOC a rose and then we give her a Magdalene rose and say, but this rose has thorns. Ouch. I pricked my finger on this rose. I don't like this rose. I don't want this rose. This rose is a big meanie. This rose is being mean to me and targeting me because I'm a woman. Her things, her house floor speeches are not written by her. They're written by Corbin Trent and him. And Sakit is the author of this Green New Deal. Yeah, exactly. We were meant so for each I, other after you know, voting for a week. It's an easily buyable story because you've got to have a young face to this socialist movement because, you know, I guess... Ah, see, now... <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to see you again, Jake. I haven't seen you for a while. How you, how you been, brother? Jake says... Now, Jake's doing the continental language game with me. He says, I'm trading in my living room for a lounge room as per boogie. Now, see, do I have to explain how stupid it is to call the lounge room a living room? You don't live in the lounge room. It's not a living room. Actually, it's where people, it's where old people go to die to watch, you know, reruns of Good Morning America all fucking day and Fox News. It's where old people go to die is the living room, coincidentally. You're not living if you're sitting on the lounge watching TV. There is, however, this this is the room, however, where you put the lounge. So call it a lounge room. Where's the lounge? In the lounge room. Where do you do the living? Everywhere else. Everywhere outside the living room. That's where I live. I go to the living room to slowly die. 
There you go. We, sh- we should call it the slow death room because that's really what's happening. Silly, silly yanks. Silly yanks in their language. Bernie essentially needed... Uh, front room for the front holes. A puppet, someone to be on the front of the curtain so that the, the wizard of socialism can operate behind the curtain. But uh, is there any tangible evidence that we can, can use to expose this? Because, you know, again, it totally seems feasible. But is there any type of documentation, communications between the two, uh, between their campaigns or anything like that? Uh, to present to the American public. Well, Sakit is listed as one of the people, or oh, the person in charge of collaborative technology for Bernie Sanders' campaign. Corbin Trent is listed as one of the people that was the founders of Justin De- Justice Democrats along with Sakit. And there was a collaboration <laughs> between the Young Turks and Sakit to form Justice Democrats. And what you find is that when you look at brand new Congress, which was the... So you, you lounge in the family room and you invite your guests over to the living room, says OC Mike. <laughs> this isn't confusing at all. If you're a new immigrant to the Western world, never mind the oppression and the racism. How about trying to figure out where you're supposed to sit in somebody's house? That's that's confusing enough. That's enough to cancel all refugee programs. Why? I never thought it was humanitarian. I never, I never knew how it could be construed as humanitarian in the first place to take somebody from some distant, far-off culture on the other side of the world and then transplant them into another culture where nobody speaks the same language, everybody dresses a totally different way. The whole, the way the society is structured from the bottom to the top is completely different to anything you've ever known in your entire life, as well as the fact that everybody on TV is telling you how racist everybody in the country already is against you. How is that humanitarian? So you think you're doing the right thing and you invite this new refugee who's moved in across the road. You invite them over for a cup of tea and a piece of cake. And, you know, put your mind at ease. Let me help let, let me help explain to you how America, how Australia really works. Let me tell you what life in the West is all about. Let me reach out and do a good thing. And the person comes in and you say, would you like to sit down? Come into the living room. Whoa, what happens in the living room? Oh, we just sit down and don't do much. Where am I supposed to sit? <laughs> Where's the sitting room? We don't have a sitting room. That's only for old people. Really? I'm confused. Original starter organization, its board of directors, its managing people are made up almost... If you're in San Francisco, you would then direct your friend to shit in the street, not the toilet. Entirely of Bernie Sanders' senior staff or middle staff from his campaign. And within Justice Democrats, there is documentation for when she was nominated by her brother. The same with um, the brand new, brand new Congress. And what's also interesting is that the other two people that Justice Democrats backed were the woman from Michigan and Omar, who's in trouble for all the anti-Semitic comments, were the other two candidates that they backed. So if you so look Hillary at who Justice Democrats has had a relationship <laughs> with in primary season, you will see proof that he, they not only were involved with those two candidates, they were the people running the ground game for them. Jake says the sitting room is the bathroom, not in certain parts of the world. In certain parts of the world, they don't sit on a toilet because that's unclean. Um, what they do is the more hygienic thing of shitting into a hole on the floor while standing. That's apparently more hygienic. And then somebody comes around and like sweeps it up into a little into the hole in case they miss. Rim shot. So uh, something you said earlier is that she has embraced uh, in the past. She embraced uh, William F. Buckley and sort of I'm guessing by extension free market you know principles and those sorts of things. Has did she undergo some sort of conversion? Do you think people? she doesn't really believe what she's saying? Um, what do you think about that? 
I think that when she got out of college, she was not a very political person. I don't. She wasn't a political person in co in college either. And I think that when Sakit presented her an opportunity to leave bartending, to leave all of this, she sort of you know jumped on it. I think now she probably does believe what she's saying. I think it's sort of been indoctrinated within her, especially because she is so beloved by certain aspects of the media. It makes her. I think it has made her feel like this is the right path. This is what's necessary. But I don't think she is as loyal to Democrats and to the upper leadership of the Democrats that people think, even within her own far left area of the party. Uh, she's certainly not loyal to the Democrats at the top of the party. They hate her and she hates them. It's beautiful. It's a fantastic wedge. We're going to end up forcing um, the leadership of the Democrat Party to cut down Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez themselves. <clears throat> That's the play. You don't, you don't have to attack Ocasio-Cortez. You make the Democrats attack her. That's how you get it done. Uh, we did we did probably way too much on, Jess, on Jussie Smollett. Do I dare do it again? Jussie paints a picture about how it's going to be. No, I won't sing the whole thing again. And lucky last from the General Eaton, cows get a Tinder-style breeding app. Well, how bad can it be compared to our first story of the night, which I have to go back to again? Woman wed zombie doll and they've even consummated the marriage. Having sex with zombie dolls. So how bad can it be? Cow tinder. Utter madness. Spare bedroom I never understood. <laughs> Acasio will never switch parties though. No, she will never switch parties, but she will crash and burn out of the political landscape at some point. Hopefully. Tinder style app for cows. Christian Lamar, thanks for joining us. Tinder style app for cows tries to help the meat market. So you think the dating scene is like a meat market? Well, wait till you hear about the latest matchmaking app. Following the example of Tinder, UK farming startup Hectare, oh, that's good, we, he we here at Hectare, we care. You can't spell Hectare without care. Has launched its own equivalent for livestock and called it Tudder. <laughs> the app features data profiles of animals from 42,000 UK farms in an effort to help farmers find the perfect breeding partner for their cattle. Ah, oh, yes. Yes, baby. Work those horns. Farmers can view pictures of bulls or cows and swipe right to show interest. Isn't it weird? <laughs> I, can just, I can just see this really taking off in bestiality circles there. And I, you watch, save, save this show, because in six months from now, some spokesman from Hectare is going to come out and say, we never intended for this app to be used by bestiality enthusiasts. This was an unintentional consequence. Somebody is misusing our app to have sex with cows. We never intended for this. Reminds me of an old joke that probably everyone's already heard. Um, there was a guy who signed up for the French Foreign Legion and, you know, he was over in the Middle East and he's there with, you know, 200 guys and they're out in the middle of the desert somewhere. And he's there for a couple of months and he says, hey, boss, you know, says to his sergeant, um, what do we do for women here? And he's like, well, obviously there's no women in the desert. And he goes, yeah, I know, but what do we do for sex? And he says, well, once a month we drive into town and, you know, we find, we find sex there. And he's like, oh, okay, good, good. And so he's like, okay, so... The, the end of the month rolls around and everybody, you know, runs really excited into the back of a Jeep. And they're all like, yeah, and they're all high-fiving each other. They can't wait to get into town and get their rocks off. And so they're all driving into town. They're all very excited. 
and they pull up at a camel farm. And all of the guys jump out of the back of the jeep as quickly as, you, as as quickly as they can and race into this pen and start having sex with the camels. And the guy turns around to his sergeant. He goes, "What the fuck's going on?" And he goes, "Well, there's no women in the middle of the desert, so we've got to have sex with camels." And he says, "But why? Why is everyone so excited? Why are they all jumping out of the jeep so quick to have sex with a camel?" And he goes, "Well, you don't want to get an ugly one." <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? Hectare Agritech, which also runs online grain marketplace Graindex, says its aim is reinventing farm trading and making farmers' lives easier. It says it has raised more than 3 million pounds from investors and organisations, including grant funding from government schemes, while tennis player Andy Murray is listed as one of its investors. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Trying to secure his future for a life after tennis, Andy Murray. Hectare inaugurated its Sell My Livestock website in 2014 and says one third of UK farms already use it to trade animals. The new app, which links to that existing website, is described as a bit of fun with an app store description replete with terrible puns. For instance, the app, quote, seeks to unite sheepish farm animals with their soulmates and is designed for farmers, quote, playing the role of moopid. <laughs> God. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm a fan. Hectare's chief executive, Doug Banner, uh, said the matchmaking breeding livestock should... Uh, pardon me, it's late. Said that matching breeding livestock should be even easier than matching people. Well, I, I would assume so. Unless you're dealing with one of those prudish pandas. The pandas don't like having sex, indiscriminate sex with strangers, unfortunately. Listings on offer to Tudder on Monday included pedigree Welsh-backed cows from a a farm in Conwy, uh, Holstein Frisian heifers from County Cork in Ireland, and pedigree seminental breeding heifers in Oxfordshire. Farmers who swipe right on those images then can contact the owner for further details, speeding up a process that can often involve transporting animals over long distances. Bravo, ladies and gentlemen, finding love in the cow world. Isn't it lovely? I, I I tend to think if only if if only this cow had have discovered it first, but she had to go with a zombie doll instead. Ah, oh, what'd you do that for, Boogie? That's terrible. Don't be mean. And that's it. Another show come and gone. I want to thank everybody who's joined us. Susie Q, Jaywink. Jules, Wordsmider, Tracy and AK, Ducks Regionist, Faith Hope Love, Rusty. Jake, good to see you again. D-Pace, Clean Jack, Marine Mum, the ubiquitous Ryan Seacrest, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be hosting uh, Trust and Verify on Sunday night with Ryan Seacrest, otherwise known as James R. Looking forward to that as always. Uh, Desiree, Desiree Girl, Desire Girl, Peter, Donna, Kimmy Jong-un, Key Wizard, Poppy Lane, anyone I might have missed. Thanks for joining us once again. Like I said, trust and verify with Ryan Seacrest on Sunday night. Uh, the podcast, the Daily Boogie Pug Pass, will be back next week. I'll be back on camera next week because we're getting an air conditioner installed in this stinking hot studio, so I no longer have to wring my balls out after the show, which will be fun. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of miss it as well at the same time. I may just miss it a little bit, to be honest. Monica, thanks, thanks for joining us. Good to have you back too. So, Christy Christy, thanks for joining us. So if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. 
And of course, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you want to administer upon me a fake hate crime, you can do so by following me on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. Till next time, stay calm, stay rational, God blessed, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.